Jupiter or Thor is perfect. We need Atlas for our long distance stuff. The Titan will be even better. They shouldn't have canceled Navajo. Wait till you see our submarines with Polaris. Attention all personnel, this is CVTS. Base vehicle pre-count operations will start on my mark at 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
try playing a clip so we can begin today's experiment. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I'm just talking to myself constantly. Let's see. Here, only we should really transform on your screen. Double check your work. Download the Google app today. I love when I type Twitter into the search bar, but like not twitter.com, you know? What's that? I like when, can you hear me? Oh yeah, I was just uh, making oh, okay. I was making sure you can actually hear me. Yeah, no, I love when I type Twitter into the 
search bar, but not twitter.com. And then it was like, oh, are you searching for Twitter? I'm like, why are you asking me this? Like, don't you know exactly what I need? Twitter 2, the sequel. Yeah. I'm going to flick my lights on. Are you looking for Twitter help? No. I should make reading gonna happen. Early. No, I'm, I'm not. Really, I, I personally really like all of the people who were like, "Elon just bought it. I'm leaving." And then, like three days later, they were like, "Uh." <laughs> oh, I found out that 42 other people, probably worse than him, have been on board since the get-go. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess I'm compromised already. Better stay at the website. <laughs> Which I mean. I didn't need to give myself that excuse. I just knew that I, I'm a part of the furniture, so. No, it's what it's another one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what, if you quit Spotify, what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. Apple Music. Yeah, go that's. Back to torrenting. I have like, to be honest. Of, like maybe pure Bandcamp. Like I'm sorry, everyone. I don't have that kind of time. I'm old now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I started using Apple Music just because the integration with like my other like my laptop and everything was easier because it had all like my favorites and stuff and I just transferred all my playlists which had a, it was not that difficult but um, I'll tell you what a lot of things are missing from Apple Music a lot which sucks and from Spotify do you know like Dr. Dre's yeah. like the chronic isn't on anything now it's what? not even on, it's not even on Apple Music and doggy style Snoop Snoop Dogg's first album it's not on anything oh, shit. it's not on oh, any shit. of them I don't know why I don't Never know if even looked. yeah and um um that just happened. I swear I was listening to one of those, at least one of those albums in the last three months. But. Yeah. Discography. See all. A lot of Snoop Dogg albums are on there, but not Doggy Style. Wow. Yeah, no, there's there's like 8 million. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize. His No Limit Records era contained a lot of. Wow. Albums wow. that I just never listened to. Got wow, gotta really, wow. pay the cost to be the boss is the one that I remember. Um, but wow. I, yeah, I'm stunned. Like good album covers in that era. Actually, he he was like embracing the whole like um, uh, puffy kind of like s totally rad suits um, mm -hmm. and like and like new style chains and stuff. He had a very like cool aesthetic. I like that. I think that that aesthetic is kind of timeless and it will come back around at some point. I don't know when, but it'll be very cool when it comes back. I'm I'm in, I'm into like a flashy suit coming back. Yeah, what was that um what? Eddie Murphy one? What was that Eddie Murphy <laughs> one? Uh Vampire in Brooklyn? Vampire <laughs> I have to go back into my mental zone. Hold on. Uh. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, there was just another school shooting. I was like, oh look. The yeah, about I'm letting I'm letting that I'm letting that uh, go smoothly over my brain for the moment. No, fair enough. Yeah, no, I just like logged in again. I was searching Twitter. I was looking up Twitter on the Google. I have that thing that uh, armor that I've built up, which I'm sure you have definitely probably that same skill. It's like if I see something, I can like acknowledge it and then know that I'm like, okay, I'm putting this in the queue for the important news I have to read at the next time I'm going to read important news when I have the emotional <laughs> ability to uh, yeah, get like, upset or not get yeah. upset as it were. Yeah. Instead, we can talk about how people are surprised that Bright Eyes concerts are going poorly. 
You know, I had a friend in uh, middle school who was really into that band, and um, I just never, I never, honestly, I never even gave it a chance. So. I never thought that, that it was like one more singer-songwriter guy. Like, no offense, but like, mm. none of them are ever going to be as good as Elliot Smith. I think we can all admit that to ourselves. And so I feel like every every other I'm gonna... sad singer-songwriter guy needs to just be like, cool, I'll just get really into like the harpsichord or like a glob. Just pick something. Be like, what, what point does it make? You're never going to be Elliot Smith. I'm going to do the thing. That, that no podcaster does in this moment. This is why I already began recording because I kind of felt like I wanted to do this today. I'm going to say that you're going to have to tell me who that is. And I'm going to, assu- I only have assumptions of who that is and I'm going to have to ask because I just don't want to like okay. do this at our podcast kind of sometimes. I just want to be like, I don't know who that is. Please tell me who that is. I don't want to fake it all the time. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. You know, he's, uh, he, he's one of these emo sad boy singer songwriters from, you know, like the late 90s. Okay. You know, you know, you know him when you know him all. But but he he, mm. he did it right. He was uh, he's the best of the best as far as the singer songwriters are. And it, IMO. Okay. IMHO. You know. What was what was the name of the act he was in? What was the name of like the big? It just just oh, his name, self titled guy. Oh. Wow. Okay. Maybe he was in a band before that that I don't know about. Like I'm not like a super fan about anything really. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. I just like I don't, you know, I I don't I've never camped out overnight for tickets for anyone. Like it's just cool. not a thing I believe in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've started yeah. to I I saw I saw um our pal Brent talking on Twitter the other day about um how he he really liked this band. He wanted to go to a concert that he really for a band that he really liked, but he thought $120 for like a standing room seat even for a band that he really liked was just like ethically outrageous and just protesting it on like principle and i was like yeah i totally i totally get that i'd never thought about that way before but like i absolutely completely get it and i might do the same yeah, thing so i feel like future. i have this like this like mental limit of what i'm willing to pay for a concert ticket for a moment like for for anyone yeah you know like and for like what i'm expecting right so like um i think i told you that i well i ta- certainly talked about it on the timeline i may have even mentioned it here because the opera comes up so often in our conversations, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. I, I remain counting down the days till September or something when Weird Al Yankovic is coming to the Santa Fe Opera. Okay? Yeah. So even before I like even looked up like how much tickets and seats and things, I was like, okay, it's at the Santa Fe Opera. Like, I'm already going for, like, an experience, right? Yeah, it'll be a unique thing. Like, I'm not thing. just going to, like, some fucking shitty dive bar, which, no offense to the shitty dive bar, is yeah. where I would prefer to be, right? Absolutely. But, right? It, it, it's like, what, what am I really signing up here for, right? Like, oh, I'm going to be able to, like, maybe order sh- Like It's like when you get tickets to the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles. Like, you can buy, like, a fucking big gulp container of, like, sangria. Like, that's that's, like, what you get in exchange for battling all of the crowds at the Hollywood Bowl is right. the opportunity to buy a big gulp size sangria, right? <laughs> Truly. I mean, I mean, uh, having recently gone to an event, which, well, I don't know, we'll, we can talk about it now since it's technically already rolling, but like, um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, 
a lot of going to an event is just like i'm i'm it's like that i'm here it's my birthday you know like um it's the adult version of like going to the discovery zone on like your birthday or something it's like i'm i'm having a special night out for me an adult who's gonna like drink and or do whatever you know i'm gonna buy food that's three times more expensive than i would normally ever rationalize but i'm having a wild and fun time so like why not um, we all have to let ourselves do that. I mean, I, I never do that until you know, I went to like a baseball game this last weekend. It was, I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll pay a couple extra bucks to have the guy bring it down to my seat. Awesome. Wow, that's, that's cool. I get to sit here and watch my favorite baseball players I've been watching on TV all season, five feet or you know, 30 feet in front of me, and I get to like see every pitch. And that was totally worth every extra dollar to me just to have that fun, special experience. Who um, was playing? It was, uh, uh, I was at the Marlins Stadium, which is now called, it has a new name, it is called... Uh, is it Crypto.com Arena? That's, that, that's the Heat. That's um, FTX, FTX Arena is, is what the Heat, um, the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just happened, I think, maybe last year. And then the one really for baseball, it's an indoor-outdoor stadium, which I'd never been to one that has, like, the me- mechanical roof, which when we, were clo- when we got there, we were so relieved to see it was closed, and it was, like, so nice and chilly. It was, like, 68 in there. It was, like, amazing. Um, perfect for a baseball game. Because it was like, also, you got sunlight for the first half, and you had a little bit of sunset. Um, you know, uh, Braves won, and that was great. It was it was a super exciting game. You know, it really did keep you until the very last pitch. Both, you know, all, all the fans were on their their feet in the last half of the inning, so it was great. Um, Marlins Braves. I was there to see. I was sitting behind the Braves uh, dugout. So if you want to go back and watch May 21st game, I watched it back and couldn't find myself. So if you can, let me know. It was excellent. Um, though. I saw. I saw. I saw a photo you tweeted. I think from your seat. Yeah. It was a lovely view. That yeah. Was what I saw, and I was like, that looks lovely. It made me. Just, it made me happy. It made. Uh, yeah. It made me happy. Just sitting. As soon as I sat down, I was like, you know, driving a couple hours out here and doing all this getting a hotel and everything was like absolutely worth it next time i don't even know if i would like um i think we'd get a hotel within like walking distance i stayed in the beach this time which was nice because it was kind of quiet out there but you know and then you have like lots of options as soon as you get back but um i was just tired from watching like literally i think it ended up being like a four-hour game because there was like so many pitches uh but totally worth it everything was great um and i'm yeah stay in a walking distance hotel i want to be able to like walk to the hotel and just fall asleep (laughs) That would be the perfect baseball experience for me. Um, yeah, I, so I have, a, I have a vacation coming up, and uh, I believe, or, well, I shouldn't say I believe, I know. Uh, I'm, we're going to New Orleans. I'm very excited. Yeah, and, that's uh, very cool. Yeah, we're, we're I, I didn't, I, I've, uh, I've only gone there once and only for like a few days, so like I don't know anything, but... Uh, Sweetie has been there re, uh, repeatedly and is more familiar with the town. And it's like, oh, we're going to be here and there. We're going to do that. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And uh, all I know is that where we're staying is within walking distance of the restaurants we hope to eat at because, like, that's really all that matters, I think, to us. Like, I, was, you know, I, I mean, I, I feel like this yeah. is one of the more delightful things we have in common where I'm like, yeah, I want to go to a restaurant and, like, I want to be, like, rolled away like Violet in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Like, I have to say, at this point in my life is like a, is like a you know, uh, uh, as they say these days, California sober or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. 
which I don't like that term, but uh, I would say in my life now, like eating a bunch of good food is like my version of getting drunk, which I save for very rare opportunities. I'm like a very healthy eater now, but like that, if I went to like Izanami or whatever, I would have like $300 worth of food and just go fucking insane. That's what would happen, but I'm gonna save it. <laughs> so, um, man, and, but I went wild in the baseball game. I had a hot dog and I had two bottles of water and I had a whole bag of peanuts. Man, I went wild. And in fact, I didn't even finish the peanuts. I was able to watch the third game of the series here at home eating the rest of the bag of peanuts because it was so outrageously big. Um, I was eating peanuts the entire game. So. Delightful. Delightful. Yeah, it was a nice little souvenir. So, uh, uh, when I was in LA, um, I used to date a fellow who worked for a large corporation. Mm-hmm. And because he worked at this large corporation, uh, he had access to, uh, he, he was, he, he, he was like VP of like marketing or some shit like that. And that's not what he was. I'm just saying like, he was like the equivalent of like some shit like this. Okay. At one of these like large corporations. And so he often had the opportunity to like take clients out to like whatever. And so like, because of this status, like he, he would just occasionally just be like, oh, like I'm taking a client out to a Laker game or to a Dodger game or to something. And then of course, uh, as, as happens with jobs like these, the perks are also that if no one else is using them, they're just season tickets that the giant corporation has purchased right like a block of them or yeah whatever. and so we just would go and so this was this was great because like you know he's kind of used to this i'll say kind of used to this lifestyle because like for him it was like yeah no we do this through the company it's like i have to come over here and schmooze this guy from you know the regional guy from des moines or whatever like gives a shit right yeah he's just like yeah whatever um and i'm just like oh baseball like all you can eat peanuts at the doctor's dugout <laughs> hell yeah like a little kid like just running around going wait they have a dodger dog buffet here yeah you want to you want to pick me up and just like yeah note note to hollywood uh 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 uh, predators out there if you want to pick me up and put me in the candy truck just promise me tickets to like home plate at a baseball game and then like be like you can have a whole barrel full of peanuts that you can just put your hand into and i just hop right in the truck that's all it would take i'd be so tricked i'd be instantly tricked if i could just stick my hand to a big old peanut barrel just like the old times i think probably (laughs) so it was like yeah so like either i could like stay with this fellow who doesn't compromise but always have dodger game home plate access or whatever yeah like not worth it it's not worth it cheap seats thank you i gotta be i gotta i gotta march to my own drum good Well, I, uh, (laughs) you know, I feel like, um, I feel like you lived an episode of Seinfeld right there or more accurately, I would say curb your enthusiasm. Truly. Um, that that was, that that was totally like, I mentioned the bisque, you know, (laughs) (laughs) also makes me think of long shot. Honestly. Well, I mean, I guess that would be Dodgers. Oh, did I did I mention that on the the podcast Long Shot with Larry David, the the little forty minute documentary about the episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that saved that guy from going to jail for life, basically? Yes, because because he was like ditching work. It was right? like a season four episode. Yeah. Yeah, and they went to a baseball 
with like a family member and but but nobody had the stubs left so they couldn't prove that they were there anymore so and then it was like down to well was someone there with the filming crew and they were like yeah they were making curb your enthusiasm and larry david was sitting like two rows in front of him <laughs> for a shot oh my God. um amazing okay so here's my larry david story i feel like everyone in la has one yeah I don't think so. I don't think we've covered Larry David. I feel like I feel like that's okay, a new, fresh so, topic. So this story actually starts with Bill Maher. Okay. Um, oh. And so, as I as I've mentioned previously on the cast, when I mentioned how my dad would go to TV tapings. Mm-hmm. Um. So again, this is a very popular pastime, and the other nice thing about being able to do this in Los Angeles is that you can really pick any show that you want. So one day, uh. uh some, some buddies had ordered a set of tickets to uh, the Bill Maher show. What was it called? Like, it wasn't called Late Night with Bill Maher. What was it called? It was called, uh, pol- it, pol- uh, it was called uh, Politically Correct. Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. That That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yes, yes thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I you can see both hands here. I didn't Wikipedia anything. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just... yeah, yeah. No, I had that moment where I was like, I, mean, I might need to the Bill Maher show, right? It doesn't really matter what its title is, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. just Bill Maher's talking. So yeah, he's had how many? Four? Three or four different shows, I think. But, yeah, like, bad yeah. record. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, right, yeah. Just, just it's him, and, and this, this, like, maybe he'll have an interesting guest on every once in a while. And you, I felt like, anyway, that was always what I watched, right? So, yeah. anyway, so, uh, Buddies get some, a set of tickets to the Bill Maher show, and uh, we go. Uh, but these weren't just any tickets, which is to say it wasn't just any day. So just like with all of these things, you order them and like ahead of time and whatever is happening is happening that day, right? Like you, you can't like pick a day. Like it's, it's just, they send you tickets to these tapings and like, maybe you can pick a day, but as goes with these shows, right? You have no idea what they're going to be talking about. It's a topical, right? It's based on the news of the day. So, uh, it, it, it turned out that, that that day, Osama bin Laden had been killed. We got him, folks. We got him. We, got him. we won. Folks, we, did it. we got USA. him. USA. USA. Mission right? accomplished, so, uh, too. Yeah. So we, I had been completely tepid about going to the Bill Maher show because, we, you know, as my friends had been like, oh, hey, we got them. Hey, who wants to go? And we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll fucking eat some edibles and go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, then day of, we're like, holy shit, like the show is going to be great. And I don't really remember the show all that well uh, it, because, like, what wound up happening was we were like the last ones in because we took our time getting to the show. Uh, again, the aforementioned edibles and things of that sort. So we're like literally the last ones in the studio and it's just rows and rows of seats like it is at a theater. And we're the last ones seated, we're the last ones put in, and then the security guards start coming in, and they're like, you know, they all look like Secret Service agents with a little stupid thing, and they sit down, Larry David, two rows behind us, surrounded by absolutely nobody. He's just there, all the way in the very, very back. And security's just kicking it, like, kind of in between, right? Like, just watching the show, too. Wow. But just like, you know, so like, nobody in front of us has any idea that Larry David is behind us. Because everyone is so busy, like, oh my god, what what is Bill Maher going to do, and who are his stupid guests, and meanwhile, like, I'm, like, elbowing my friends, like, hey, look, it's Larry David. Yeah. 
We should do something really embarrassing that'd be really funny. <laughs> so let's see. Um, that was like right into the prime. Was that in the in the era when Kirby like, Enthusiasm was technically like not on anymore that like brief period where it was like not like just in between seasons but when shows weren't like doing that long hiatus thing and that was like unheard of still that was 2011 oh it might have been in that i just looked it up because i couldn't remember so Osama bin laden was killed in 2011 may 2nd 2011 Mm -hmm. so that so there we go i was at the may 2nd taping of bill maher's show at that time i've heard so many stories from people about that day it's really funny um I don't really remember it specifically, but uh, I know people who do. And they. So like, I think it would have like been a blip if I hadn't seen Larry David, which yeah. is really funny because, like, to me, they're pegged as like the same event, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Larry David is a man. Um, I read an article that he put in the let's see, what was it? The New Yorker. Um, I think it was like the first or second episode of the podcast, you know, I do by myself. And it was about basically it was called notes because I read it like four or five times because I thought it was so good. Um, It's called notes for my biographer. And it was basically about two pages. um, And it was just full. It was the entire thing was lies. And I I loved it because it flowed so well that um, if you didn't fully know who Larry David was, you might think might think that it was like real. Um, until the very end when he says that he like saves a, someone from a burning building. And I think that's like, I just, I love writing like that where like the people in the know are going to enjoy it. And then even if someone gets to the end and they still don't know, they're going to see the punchline. It's going to be obvious enough and they'll be in on the joke. And that's a good writer. And I think Larry David did that because it is extremely uh, Kirby enthusiasm. I love it because it's like really complicated comedy, but it's m- extremely accessible. You can put any episode on and anyone can watch and be like, holy shit, that's funny as shit. Leon is talking about walking all up in that pussy, David, and like making you laugh. And um, ah, JB Smooth, man, he is the highlight of that show's cast. As soon as he enters the cast, the entire show for me transforms. It's like um, everything he contributes to that show, genius. Uh, unbelievable. Love him. So delight. Uh, it's it's really funny. I, I I also really like that whole that whole bit where Cheryl right because Cheryl because like Cheryl Hines yeah first, like right like her husband is like the my pillow guy or some shit right is <sighs> yeah yeah is that who it is is it really the my pillow guy hold on she she is like in it's, it's one of them right it's like some stupid shit like yeah she she was recently as uh, she said a thing or two but I think she might have gotten back on and like immediately let's see. No, I think she tried to be all like, no, like, you know, I don't really like do them, but like, yeah, know, that's not what our relationship's about. Let's see. Well, I'm reading here. Um, see, I can't kill the podcast by reading Wikipedia in the middle of it. Um, in fact, checking because the podcast technically hasn't started yet. I haven't said the name of the podcast, so. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh hi, nice to see you there. Hello, hello there, hello. Uh, greetings. This is the podcast um, for all. No, that's a different podcast. This is the podcast Reality Issues. Um, I'm Brian. This is Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Hello. Um, it's May 23rd, a Tuesday, and it's uh, six. The 24th. It's May, Tuesday, 24th, <laughs> 2022, <laughs> at uh, uh, 6.30 p.m., my time, but it's uh, 4.30 mountain time over where kathy is 
and uh, it's been weird it, it like rained here today and like it wasn't supposed to i was i'm actually supposed to be out door knocking and canvassing for work and things of that sort and that's what you're doing right now by all records um if anyone asks me that's what i'll say you were doing you weren't recording yeah, no no like it, it's, it's fine we couldn't do it it's like rainy outside you can't do it you can't Go up to oh yeah! And, like, oh, it's raining. Dog. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> exactly. Put your best foot forward. Politics can wait. Mm-hmm. We have to laugh first before we can talk about Let's anything laugh. sensitive. Um, are you ready to laugh? Are you? I am. I am ready to laugh, and you know why? Um, here, and this is why I'm ready to laugh. Uh, are you ready? Because I am going to make you laugh now. Are you ready? No, oh, I'm ready. Okay. No, I'm ready. Here we go. As a lad growing up in the outback, golf legend Nigel Bridges showed little aptitude for sports. I apologize to our Australian listeners. Rugby or cricket, or so it seemed, at golf. But he tried and he tried, and he tried and he tried and he tried. Until he got it right. You'll find the same dedication and commitment to perfection at Outback Steakhouse. Where a great steak dinner is always just a short drive away. Outback Steakhouse, no rules, just right. Good shot! That's right, Kathy. Here on this podcast, there are no rules, and it's just right. And um, I like to say that um, because it's true. Uh, I think we're, that we're breaking all rules. We are, we are surpassing all barriers, and we're bringing to you a podcast product that does not currently exist. Now, where else on a podcast product, product would you get something like this? Something like what I'm about to do right now. We're on board a 38 Squadron Caribou DHC-4 military aircraft on loan from the Royal Australian Air Force. Normally, these planes are used to rescue people in dangerous, life-threatening situations. Today, however, we have a different mission. These 16 Americans are about to be abandoned. This plane will land in the heart of one of the most unforgiving places anywhere on Earth, the Australian Outback. For the next 42 days, they'll be left to fend for themselves, forced to work together to create a new society while battling the elements and each other. They must learn to adapt or they'll be voted from the tribe. In the end, one will remain and will claim the million dollar prize. Oh yeah, and here's what I promised you, Kathy. I promise you the remix. You get the remix. Here's the thing. You, you may think before, and I thought that I was joking before, when I said in the previous episode that they did take the theme and just raise up the, um, uh, the Drew Do levels. However, in the final episode 
uh, in the kind of uh, like voting in Hollywood kind of live final reveal episode, they actually made note of having a live didgeridoo player there and like with the largest didgeridoo I've ever seen in my life, like just going to town. And I feel like it was just like they 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 just really wanted to sell like we're doing it outback style we're we're doing it and I don't know picturing like the those Ricola commercials but with the didgeridoo. Uh, yes, accurate. Yeah, like literally, the man was leaning back in a chair and he had it in stretched mouth all the way out to like his holding it in his feet. I'm not even kidding, like Ricola style. I was dying anyway. I because uh, I made the joke and then when they brought it out and like here's a live musical presentation of the Survivor theme by an orchestra for our finale and then there's the guy just jamming. I was my joke came to life right in front of my very eyes. I I literally had a moment there where I was like I think sometimes I say things and they just like appear in front of my face. Um, I like to manifest things into reality. I feel like I feel like that's a thing. I feel like that's a superpower that yeah. I actually have. I, I've 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 like done it and uh, friends have actually witnessed it. Cool. Um, but, you know, whatever. I was, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Uh, but I wanted to circle back to something that you said a little bit earlier, which is that we have no rules. And, uh, and that's true. And then in my, in, my, in my like desire to be clever, I like, uh, was thinking about the phrase, no pods, no masters. So I had to Google it. Uh-huh. Has someone else said it? Find anything. So we, we, it's ours. We own it. We own it. No, so no. So check this out. Okay. I I, I then looked on Twitter. Okay. There is a there is indeed a podcast Uh called No Pods No Masters. But I I need you to I need you to hear this. Uh They joined in 2017. Uh They haven't tweeted since then. Uh They have only five tweets. Uh And like they're 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 just sitting on it. In my world, yeah. that means that it's ours. That means it's ours, Snoop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's what that means. Yeah, now we can say it. I, 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 now that I Google it, just No it. rules, no pods. No masters. No masters. I agree. Yeah, no one's running the show here. We're just kind of having a great time. We're just hanging out. Yeah. We're just, we're just having a good time. Yeah. Any Either of us could hit the record button now. It's kind of cool. I mean... That's oh, no, I mean, I have to get all this stuff set up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Just, oh, my goodness. No, you're good. It's like building a, it's like building a, a, a factory over there. Believe me. I know. You can see, you've seen my kitchen table. You know what that looks like. It's well, well, anyone on Twitter can. For our listeners, right, that, uh, new milestones, a big deal, a, a new a new development yeah i have received yes um a mixing board and two mics yeah that's um, cool a stack of books which i am delighted from brian here yeah and i'm just i gotta start uh, like a, a bunch of other shit the mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh the uh little sd card yeah uh, you know record our little uh, programs buffer all of all that shit mm-hmm. yeah, record all our stupid little programs <laughs> 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 which i am so delighted <laughs> i mean no, uh, but now I gotta set it all up, and that's exciting, you know. So yeah. I gotta like, you know, so like now truly, like, you know. Yeah. I feel like we've really hit the big time. I feel like it's my, real. my podcaster imposter syndrome is slowly melting. Away. See, isn't that great? It, it's it's um I'm seventy five percent of the way there. It started about four or five weeks ago, and so I'm glad that we're both kind of like um 
it's like uh, remember the the first time you were like in high school and you started like public speaking and you felt like it was i know you did because you there's no way you didn't and um because i did and that's the only way that we're doing this but um I did like the equivalent of that. I was like on the mock trial team. I was on the I was on the drama. I was on the youth in government. I was on the like youth in government team, which was kind of cool. Which wasn't even really like it was like part of uh, like the YMCA or something like that. But basically, we were like a mock state government, and I got to be like a representative and stuff. We had bills we voted on. Like once I was in my sophomore year, I was already like in the full thing. I I uh, I um I like legalized and regulated sex work that was my bill and to tell you the truth i did tons of research and all kinds of stuff at the time and like i don't even like remember doing any of that all i remember is that i did it and like i almost passed it but there wasn't enough obviously it's florida so you know people are going to be who they are especially when they're teens there's no free thinking clearly so um, yeah no it's 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 hard to soar with eagles when you work with what was my as as they say on those like different I had a really good senior one too. It was like a trick thing to basically ruffle everyone's feathers. I'll have to remember what I did my the bill on my senior year. I just remember like debating the hell out of it, and um, really going to town. And um, hmm, I'll, I'll have to look that up. Maybe I can even find when it. I, was, I yeah, do have some when files. I was a teacher, I also uh, when I was a you know when I was an educational professional uh, with my high schoolers, um, I was also a policy debate coach coach all of these kiddos to, to be the obnoxious oh that wow are, yeah. that's amazing i love that i feel like i could do so, that uh, we i you know I'm, I'm very i'm very proud of this because i'm very proud of those those kiddos i mean of course they did all the work you know yeah you know we get a stupid little plaque too whenever they're a championship team you know i love that so, like i'm just like yeah you know like you know, well i'm proud of you for doing that i'm proud of that for you so yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very cool. Of, you know, more, more, more of these policy debate dipshits, but like the good kind, not like the bad kind, you know? Yeah, exactly. That Yeah, you want people to like, everyone, everyone needs someone in their side who's like going to like take the rules and twist them up and then be like, hey, this is how things really work, you know, even though it doesn't look obvious. This is how the functional, this is how things function. And like, it's good to know the real look at things and... um yeah i mean i did all kinds of stuff like that when i was a kid i followed around like a prosecutor once for like a project and i used to like yeah i guess i've always been kind of doing shit like this <laughs> i don't know in one way or another i guess i'm getting back to it maybe um i always i always thought that i was gonna be a journalist this was always something i thought when i was in high school yeah. i thought i was gonna be a professional journalist and uh I wound up deciding not to do that. Okay. And I feel like I don't regret that decision. Okay. Um, because of the state of journalism now. Like, I, 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 I would have hated it, I think. Um, I, I, like, I wanted something, like, dignified. And no such thing, I think, really exists. Um, like, unless it's something like this, right? But in this, like, like, you can't be dignified and be on CBS. Those things aren't... You, you can't do that anymore. No, that's... Yeah, no such thing. Um, that's a real no. That's a no. That makes me think. Like, because um, when I was a kid, I was really fixated on being a video games journalist. Um, not just like well, a journalist in general. I wanted to write about things. I wanted to do the Anthony Bourdain thing ultimately. But like, I I, I saw my starting place is like uh, enthusiast press. Honestly, is what I would call it these days. 
Um, and you know, I don't, um, I think a lot of people in certain situations look towards jobs that, um, are like interesting to them as like an interest and then try to like get there. I don't know. But for me, I never really had an opportunity to learn how to write in the way that was like for reviews or for a publication. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, we've told you in the audience, I dropped out a bunch of times. So I kind of blew some of my chances there, but like, um, it takes like, you know, skill. I, I, the only way that I even know how to like half write now is because I've been posting for such a long time that it's like kind of uh, the, the easiest way to express myself is through the written word. But like, um, I don't know. I've been writing and uh, I've been writing things my whole life. And so for myself, I, it's hard to, I don't know. Anytime I think about expressing myself in the written word, uh, seeing someone else talk about it, I kind of put myself in that position. Especially when it comes to uh, occupation. You know, uh, what's that a psychological thing? Transposition? Uh, no, it's projection, but it's something else. It's on top of projection. I don't know. I am not a professional. But hey, by the way, uh, weren't we talking about having a professional on here at some point about all that stuff? Oh, yeah. Like a psychological kind of to ask him reality show kind of insight onto um, how we kind of project and all that kind of stuff about the mirror. Um, let me see. You mean like a psychological professional? Yeah. Well, like, uh, yeah. Um, four or five. Um, at some at some point, we discussed that. You said that maybe we were going to see if we could find like a therapist or someone who could like talk about like the psychological angle of like well. We can find someone out there, I'm sure. Um, no, there's got to be someone that's... that's that, I mean, I... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a I'm not saying let's diagnose a cast member of a reality show. I'm saying, like, uh, what is the terminology and the stuff, like... Because um, I know that people in the reality show world um, use language from, like... Especially on, like, Catfish, a lot of the time. They use a lot of language from that world discussing those people. And I feel like the reality show producer world has a lot of uh, inside knowledge from the, uh, I don't know, the team mom they have to, to know how to like handle everyone's emotions and, and, and relationships and stuff like that. Like how to, I don't know, handle people, quite honestly. But it's not just, you know, you, you need a therapist, you need an expert to relate to you how to do these things safely and to make the best program, et cetera. So someone out there exists. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is um, there must be someone out there who like has some uh, insight into psychology in the world of um, reality television, I guess is what I'm going for. I'm sure there's some books out there. I'll have to track them down, find an author who can talk to us no, about I, that. I, 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 yeah, no, I've been, uh, no, I've been thinking about this a lot. Because we're looking at it from the sociological angle, but I think it's also important to look at it at the, like the personal level and see like what is happening in people's brains, you know, in the way that like um, when we look at people on television, for example, I think this is a very basic question. When we look at people on television, um, what kind of connections in our brain is actually happening that we're transposing ourselves for these stories and we're kind of reflecting and thinking if I was in that scenario, what would I do? Like what, what in, and in a reality show, what are they really playing on to get us to quicker than ever and, and increasingly quickly as they continue to improve their processes and their editing and stuff, get us to put ourselves right into the shoes. I think music is a big piece of it. Reality shows heavily rely on music and score. 
Um, but I'd really like to know the answer from a professional who has some like insight on um, the games that you know reality show producer, editor, you know anyone in that process might use to juice the you know the, the algorithm as it were, but for our brains and get our interest and uh, get us talking about stuff. Um, I think there's definitely there to be in mind. I know it's being enacted, so it'd just be cool to see how it's uh, being dished out. See if anyone has ex- any extra insight. You know, that even kind of makes me start thinking about what are some unsuccessful reality TV shows. Yeah. And I feel like that, you know, like I'm, I'm asking a question in the negative because I don't, I don't know the answer because I, I feel like by definition, like if they were unsuccessful, I haven't heard of them. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and the reason I say that is because, like, I feel like one, one of the common critiques of reality shows is that they're formulaic or they're predictable um, or something like that, you know? Yes, I, I, I find, yeah, you're right. Both of those things, and, yeah. And, and, and yet, like, not anybody could just, it, it, like, it is lightning in a bottle. You can't just do it over and over again and, and hope that it sticks. Like, it has to have, like, just like with any kind of compelling story, it has to have, you know, like, multifaceted characters. They can't entirely be one-dimensional, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, it can't just be. There's got to be conflict. There's got to be like, um, some, and and when I say conflict again, right? Like, survivor, man versus nature, right? Like, mm-hmm. bachelor, man versus man. You know, yeah. Oh my you God, know, bachelor! Like, no, hold on. Pause on that for a second. You just said something that is, <laughs> man versus man, is well, you know, the, no. Maybe, but like, well, I no. I mean, you. Right? That's it, though. Like, really? That's that's it. That's that's no. Paul, they have to, because that's like, because for, for those at home, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but I just want to like bring everyone into this idea here. Like um, in, in storytelling, there's basically, as someone said, I don't know, a guy, a person in the past, a person that has, came up with this concept that there's basically like three, three, right? Kinds of stories. Yes, there's like, actually. well, please, you tell me, because you, you know, Kathy. Uh, there is, because uh, there's like internal conflict, right? So there's mm-hmm. like man versus Mm-hmm. Right, um, but there's like man versus nature. Mm-hmm. There's man versus man. Mm-hmm. Right, like. Uh, Do you want to assign all of these a reality show? Because I know there's one for each. There has to be. That way, we could explain to our audience like the kinds of stories yeah. through reality shows. Well, okay, so like, yeah, okay, so like, so like the traditional is like man versus self. Man right? versus self. Oh, right. um, intervention, kind of. Okay. Yeah. Hoarders. Hoarders. Yeah. Um, uh, my strange addiction. It, it's a conflict from 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 yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So like you're some internal struggle. Okay. So I think this could also be something like um, uh, I I almost wanted to say something like Anthony Bourdain's like No Reservations. Oh um, yeah. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like those are. Like, like, to the extent that there's conflict, there's no real conflict, there's storytelling. The conflict comes from, maybe that's like man versus environment. I don't think that that's... Like you know, because I think with Anthony Bourdain, just really dwelling on it for a moment, you know, there is a lot of conflict, but he alludes to all his conflict in the past, and he also kind of assumes a little bit that his fan base has, like, read one or two maybe of his books and kind of has a little bit of an assumption of his struggles as he's kind of, like, going through all these things. And you know that the man used to have, like, a really bad substance abuse problem, and then maybe you're seeing him kind of, like, drink a bit. 
and you're knowing that he's like kind of self-aware of all these things and he's not like just doing it because he doesn't know any better um I think that you can kind of have a little bit of that like Hunter S. Thompson observational layer there where you're like, this guy is also like, yeah, he's doing all these things, writing these things, creating and doing all this, but he's, he's clearly got damage. And then, you know, the finale of the, that story, of course, but, um, yeah, I always took that into account. I only saw him as a Hunter S. Thompson, like suffering kind of, uh, artists, I guess. And, and he did more things. I, did, did you ever read his books? A bunch of my friends read no, his books and were you know, mega fans of his books. It's really funny. So uh, I was at the bookstore earlier today because uh, I, was, I was looking for a gift for a friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and, and so what, what that means is if you're my friend, then that, uh, you're usually going to get a book. <laughs> um, I, was in the, I was in the food and cooking section and I saw a bunch of his books and I realized that I had never read any of them. Right, felt like I've seen a bunch of the shows and like a bunch of the episodes, and I'm actually quite familiar. But um, no, I never read any of them. I, I think I read like I think there's like excerpts that got published in like magazines when they got you know it's like teasers when it first came out. And I probably read shit like that. I feel like I've read like an essay or something here or there, but um, but like the whole thing, no. Um, I read a recently in the new yorker or no it was new york magazine they had an anthony bourdain it was like a four page five page article that he had written in like 1980 something 89 90 something when he just started he took over uh lazal that like main place that he was kind of famous for running for however many years before he started a career in writing specifically um and it it really took me back and made me think about his his writing style especially when he started was like as if i picked up a typewriter and just kind of started writing there's no there's no style to it he's not i mean i think he went he took that initial writing and turned that into his style but like when he started there's just that so there's no like legacy or anything like that i think he just kind of like picked up the typewriter and just like started going and his personality really came through and that's what kind of made him such an interesting um, beacon for so many different uh, people to kind of like see like oh this thing i'm looking at travel i'm looking at food in a new way i'm looking at you know this man's adventures through life not just his adventures through the world etc he's making friendships and different kinds of cultures and you know who knows what his past is necessarily maybe you know a little bit more maybe you don't but he was a universally kind of entertaining person and i've never really run into someone who was like oh i never liked that guy like even people from across any kind of spectrum i've always found to find him very interesting and um i don't know i guess i never considered why um why he was so broadly appealing to people who like so many different things and believe so many different things um well, I, I feel like uh there there is something very like um uh it's something that not everyone has uh but it's this ability to like make people feel comfortable with you um and i am i am uh and the reason i say that is because i kind of believe that i share that with it in the sense that like mm. i've been told by people that i've worked with but like this is one of my like supernatural skills is that they're like oh yeah when people meet you like they feel incredibly comfortable like they'll start oh just they'll relax they'll hang out they'll smile they'll crack jokes like it's just something about like just creating like a warm and comfort comfortable environment yeah like oh okay great fantastic yeah but like but i feel like anthony bourdain is 
it, like has that i don't know i don't know how people have it like so i think you know there's something about him that's also like genuinely curious right like he asks questions like oh like tell me about where you learned this recipe right and there's yeah. something like really like smart about i mean and, and he's not doing it because it's smart it's just like because that's what he cares about right he he's curious yeah right but he's curious and so he's like how long have you been doing it like does everyone in this neighborhood make this goat the exact same fucking way right like he he asks all these questions people start talking they're they're like naturally sharing and then because he's like actually gives a shit about what they have to say because he too is passionate about what he's asking them they start talking about all this other stuff right and that's part of his curiosity right he's not there to just talk to them about like how do you cook this meat you know he's like well tell me about like generations of, like i remember the one where he was like like with some fucking like he was like in the desert somewhere and he's like i say goat because that's the one i remember like mm-hmm. um, yeah and they like they, they like they roast some goat out in the middle of the desert in the middle east somewhere yeah and it's like with a nomadic group of, of folks that I have I don't remember anything except what I do remember is how delicious that fucking goat looked, right? Like anyway. Yeah, I I he just makes people comfortable and I, I don't know that uh I don't know that very many people actually have that skill. Well if 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 um if you wanna roast some goat out in the desert, let's let's do it. We'll figure it out <laughs> to accomplish that. Okay, step two, find your freshest, ready-to-go goat. Okay, here's what I'll do. I'll sacrifice one of my children. God will intervene. Perfect. And supply the goat for us. I'll have to remember that story. (laughs) I've been, okay, so I've been watching, um, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's, uh, it's on HBO Max, and it's a documentary about that, um, it's, like, a weird, like, evangelical Christian lady, and she had, like, some weird... The tall hair? Is she the tall hair lady? Yeah, the tall hair. (gasps) Tell me about the tall hair lady. Oh my god, let me find, let me find, let me... Yeah, I've seen the screenshot, that's all I can, uh, is it, yeah, I'll let you look it up, I can't remember. Um, I was watching it before I jumped on. Um, yeah, I was watching Miss Congeniality because I watched previously to that the uh, 1983 Miss America contest, which is confusing because they actually award Miss America 1984. I didn't realize they award next year's in the year. But um, all I can say is after watching a little bit of that, you need to watch Miss Congeniality because you need to get the flavor out of your mouth. You need to laugh at that instead of being sad. <laughs> um, anyway, Gwen please. Shamblin. Gwen Shamblin. Oh, it became like a personality cult? Oh. Yeah. 
Wow. And then so so it goes on to talk about like why and the how and some of the like controversies that were like well but apparently right and so uh, HBO had done this series and had done um, let me see um, how many episodes is it? It's like six episodes. Um, anyway, had done like a, a handful of episodes, like kind of starting this like expose process, but then there was a plane crash. What? And what? She, the, the, the lady, uh, uh, Gwen Shamblin, and her husband, who was uh, flying the plane, and a couple of other passengers on the plane were all killed in this plane accident. Uh... And so the. So, so the show is in post-production when the crash occurs. And so the documentarians had experienced a, a complete challenge in trying to, like, access these spaces because there was still, like, a lot of, you know, because it was like a Colton with, like, training wheels, you know? So yeah. Like, it had only, like, like, they had been around, they had been well-known personalities, but it had only, like, Again, I, I, I'm still not done with it. From what I from what I gather, it was only in after like a certain period of time that things really started kind of going off the rails, right? It was like kind of like normal church for a while until okay. it really started going like you know because like okay. that's the thing. It's like some of these churches are like weird and fucked up, but like that's normal for them. Yeah, like and that's, yeah, it's like normal weird. Right? It's like the acceptable level of Christian weird. Yeah, some of the churches are just like, this is a Christian church, but we smoke weed or something like that. And that's fine, whatever. I don't know. Sure, cool, awesome. Yeah. In fact, better, right? Like, <laughs> neat. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently it was in the, like, I'll say like the comet's <laughs> tail end of, of this career where things started really kind of going okay. weird with the church and the documentary was starting to expose or was exposing some of these like i think like these initial accusations and then and then they all died so um i haven't gotten to those episodes yet. yes please keep me updated okay, i'm but anyway but like i'm fascinated by this because it's of course like there's already like um allegations of like child abuse and like weird culty shit and like they you know again like uh outside of the norm of weird christian shit right like yeah there is like an acceptable weird shit i say acceptable yeah but like a dress certain way less unusual yeah yeah less unusual right um and uh i don't know i like all that again all that cult shit i i feel like like um it's part of this like weird inculcation that that we're seeing again like not to bring this up again and again but the amber heard and johnny depp thing which continues to still be very befuddling to me um, oh as far uh, to, as how people talk about to, it there was that oh Lance hold on yeah can i send you a, like what the I, fuck are you doing how easy i didn't hear about that but here um one sec how easy is it can i send you a picture on like the the iMessage no, here. I'm just gonna send you. Oh yeah, I'm gonna DM. I'm gonna DM it to you. There's a screenshot I took. Yeah. Um. Uh, earlier today on the exact subject you're talking about, just because I thought it was so strange. Um. And I was looking at basically just Twitter. I think it was just the Twitter website. Let me 
yeah, my photo should be on here. Um, I was on the Twitter website, and I saw it had like trending topics, allow access to all photos, why not? Here it is. No, it was YouTube, okay. And I'll just sort of post it to Twitter as well, actually, because I meant to do that anyway. Okay. Um, I just I just DM'd you the tweet by page six that says Lance Bass of NSYNC acts out Amber Heard's testimony on TikTok. Now I I, I'm only, I only linked you to the tweet, not to the page six article itself, because again it's all weird. I I don't like giving any of it any of that real attention. But um, I feel like. I feel like I'm giving the meta shit attention and like I don't like even that is yeah. really wrong and incorrect. Like it's a Yeah, just look at that tweet I just put up everyone for the for the, 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 the crowd at home. I just said um, normal was the tweet. And basically, I think if you, it's basically, I just, oh, I just, a whole category? yeah, I just opened YouTube and there was a category that just said Amber Heard and I clicked on it and it's just millions of videos with the worst of everything. And I was like, I'm done. I just like went like and opened my Miss America video and yeah, I was blown away. And it's like the second button. I, I, I haven't even, I've never searched for it ever on anything. To the reality TV show thingy that I've been watching, which is the Pam and Tommy. I did finish that, and holy shit, let me tell you something. First of all, like Pamela Anderson is brilliant. We all know this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and in this fucking story, right, it is Tommy Lee who wants to pursue legal action against uh, the folks who are, like, you know, distributing the video. Uh, that's like a little bit of shorthand. I just want to kind of abbreviate it for the audience. Okay. And she's like, no, I don't want to do it. Because she kind of understands the whole Streisand effect. Right. It makes draws even more attention like a right. magnet. You're about to bring much more attention to it. And she also understood the concept of legal precedent, which is that if you lose, you have now fucked it up for everyone who's going to come up after you because precedent has been set in the law and that's the way it goes, right? Right. And so I think, like, she, God bless the pornographers, the sex workers, and the quote-unquote deviants because they are truly the canary in the coal mine. Like, <laughs> yeah. If we believe that we can treat them like shit, like, they're coming for the rest of us. Like, so Pam Anderson, Larry Flint, Britney Spears, like, that's also why they need to be defended to the death is yeah. because, like, like no, like, they're hoping that they can get away with it because they're going to think, like, oh, no, she deserved it, right? And, like, like it just like, horrifies me to think about, like, what are going to be some of these, like, precedents behind, like, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard because I feel like that's really what's happening here. It's very similar to why, like, Pam Anderson was so attacked it's because like ultimately what's decided is no like you pose nude therefore you don't have an expectation of privacy to the rest of your body and what happens right, right like, like so one moment yeah concept. right like okay I showed you a titty that doesn't mean that I showed you like in perpetuity you, forever yeah, or yeah or even like you know all the other things that kind of come after that like she wasn't showing a titty she was anyway all of the things it was like stolen video and all of these things so like it just oh it's just horrifying it's just horrifying yeah i need so, to know that story for sure 
the um the Pam and Tommy sh uh, thing it, it was just nuts um I really want to find some of these like clips um for um maybe I'll just timestamp them and send them to you but like the um there's all these bits where she's also like you know this is how I'm gonna get treated because I'm a woman right like everyone's just gonna celebrate you and your big fucking dick mm. like they're just gonna call me a slut you know yeah yeah I know I and that was 1995 right or something, yeah. something like yeah. that I'm trying to think of like because I wasn't even like on the internet then and I don't know I wasn't even like really conscious of like the world at large so I don't know what the climate was like but I imagine bad I don't know Six, 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 like 94, 95, 96 is. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're talking about real player, right? We're talking about real player videos. Say that again. Or like for distributing it online. In the, in the in terms of this video getting processed online and put out there, we're talking about like basically like real player is like having its first moment in the spotlight where people yeah, can like. Yeah, it would have been some. Sh it was like the first online streaming. So like the so here's the story of it. Oh my god. So like, um, the story of the film itself is pretty fascinating, right? So, um, long story short, it was stolen from a safe from. Uh, their home. Okay. Um, they, uh, the safe was kept like in front of like a bunch of furniture, recording equipment and shit. It was like apparently not an easy thing to access, nor something that they accessed frequently. Mm -hmm. So this person had had access to the house. It was like a former contractor who also felt like they had gotten fucked over by Tommy Lee during some like remodeling of this mansion. Funny. So, it's kind of a related story. story to the Paris one, right? That was kind of like an accidentally fell into the wrong hands, kind of weird. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't actually know the story of. The oh, yeah, I can I can recap it a little bit, um, at least yeah. in the broad strokes. Basically, that was kind of a similar scenario. It was like um, the uh, the Paris Hilton tape got out there because it was in a storage unit that had the. <gasps> the fees basically not get paid for a while enough time it did storage wars style auction except you know before that was like a thing but you know still happened and um someone ended up buying the the lot and that guy um who bought it was actually i think maybe like tipped off to the fact of like who owned it but was like kind of like you know spuriously trying to conceal it his, its purchase or something like that and um and like might have known about it but it was it, yeah it was bought kind of in it was obtained through you know uh weird means probably i assume legal but uh because i don't i don't know if there was any ever like a legal case necessarily but um wow 
I know that it was attained that way through like an expired storage unit. Wow. Yep. Yeah, no, so in this case, um, Tommy Lee, this is even before he has met Pamela, Tommy Lee is doing some remodeling, some building on Dewey's mansion, um, has some ups and downs with the contractors who are in dispute constantly. They're going back and forth. And I guess one of the contractors devises this scheme to like recoup some of his losses in his mind, right? In his mind, he's out several thousand dollars because he worked on this house and still arguing with Tommy Lee. And he's like, oh, well, I know he has a safe. I'm gonna go fucking steal his safe. So the dude now, like he admits to it. He's like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the dude who stole the safe. I'm the one who stole the tape. Um, hmm. No, but it can't be, I mean, it can't be prosecuted. He doesn't have it, right? So right. Um, what he did was he took the tape. He finds out what's on it. Um, he, um, and he starts shopping it around. But Wait, how do you, time, can you, can you explain that for a little bit? Just, is there any, did they give any context how he shops it around without like yes. having the entire town basically like, yes. Yeah. So he himself, this fellow is a former porn star himself. Okay. He himself, uh, is, uh, he's a bit of a hangers on in the porn industry. His dad huh. was a famous Hollywood actor actually. Um, and he's just some guy. Um, but he, he lives like in the valley. This is like a Boogie Nights type of a story. Ah. He's, he's like a Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of a Oh, I'm getting a bit of a picture right? now. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, but he's also like, a, you know, he's like, a, I don't know, a carpenter, an electrician. He's, he's whatever. So he's, he's, he's working on Tommy Lee's house. Mm-hmm. Him a fucking water bed or whatever. <laughs> That's, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, that, and I'm not lying about that. That's apparently what he was actually doing. Sounds appropriate. So like, yeah. Sounds hilarious. And so, um, apparently, like, Tommy Lee is a fucking nightmare client to have. And so, like, sounds correct. Surprising. Sounds I've surprising. seen the tape. I've seen how he operates a boat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Very little care. It's, uh, yeah, just, just, just all kinds of violations, right? Just, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of safety factors at play, yeah. Shoes. A little bit of freewheeling, yeah. Listen, as someone who takes, you know, seafaring safety very seriously myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so anyway, yeah, so he uh, he devises a scheme. Uh, he, he steals it, but because he used to be like this porn star guy and he had like worked in the industry, he, he goes around to various porn star distributor, like porn movie distributors and makers and things. He knows some. But apparently none of them actually want to touch the fucking video with a 10-foot pole. Mm. Not only do they kind of recognize, wink, wink, like, it's stolen, like, you stole it. Um, they were also like, nah, we don't want to go through, like, the hassle of, like, this legal fight. Because, like, in their heads, like, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, or, like, at this point, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson are, like, fucking famous. They have all kinds of fucking money, right? Like, clearly they're going to be able to afford lawyers, right? So... Um, the porn industry is still fledgling at this point. We're still not at like, you know, I mean, Vivid is maybe the biggest name at this point, but like, uh, you, you know, and, the, and then of course you have Hugh Hefner, you have Gucci on, yeah. Larry Flynn, right? Like, so you have like the three big names and then you have everyone else, like, sorry, everyone else. Okay. But you yeah. have those three, they're all household names. Right. And like, even though I can name Vivid Video, it's like a thing. 
I couldn't tell you who the fuck founded it. Which one of them? Which one of them touched the Spice Network? What was that? Ooh, I think. Oh, I don't know. I guess that might have been Guccione. Because I was like down here, at least on our cable systems, that was like the alternate. To, there was like Playboy, and then there was like the Spice Channel. Um, that might, oh, I would imagine. Gucci imagine was probably the first. For those at home who have zero context, imagine like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for you. I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna flip your wig. Okay. Game of Thrones on HBO. Then there's like Cinemax, right? Then there's that's like a different level. Then you're talking about like HBO real sex basically then there's like i don't know take it another step further that's where we're at that's that's like the spice network no that's playboy and then like one step further that's spice and spice is basically like uh each of those steps you're lowering the budget a notch um (laughs) but man when you get to the spice network you're talking about some top quality content you're talking about very very little um pretense very little story and um if you're uh nine to twelve years old in um uh, the illegal cable box man are you fucking ready for this i just wikied it you've got some things to learn owned by yeah though where it starts where we think it does or more or less it was originally built and owned by playboy enterprises interesting okay but fast forward to as of 2018 spice networks is operating four channel brand names mm-hmm. um, one of which the two of which I would say are household names to, if you're into this kind of thing Brazzers and Mofos wait so Spice actually so that's where all that money came from oh, okay so this is actually answers a question for me I was very very interested in the beginning of internet porn which everyone who's listening to this should probably be familiar with I don't know, the late 90s early 2000s kind of era of like Milf, so milf hunter. The Pam and Tommy documentary okay. Thingy. Okay. Anyway. So like milf yeah. hunter and all that stuff, and, and there was like a comedy. I mean, it was it was popular culture for college students or anyone in their twenties or teens and twenties at that era and time. Everyone had the, we had a vocal. We had we had the language to speak about porn websites as if it was comedic because they were, but also because it was such it was such in the conversation all the time you'd be like oh milf hunter or something like that that was just like things we would talk about all the time you would talk about it after like the bud light commercial jokes you would be like oh and the next thing you talk about be like well that's crazy have you heard of this porn site it has this wild name it's like moms go for dads or something like that (laughs) you know like and that was insane um i mean that was really the kind of stuff that i mean that was it we would make fun of the budweiser commercial from the super bowl and then we would talk about um, the funny porn thing we saw online, or like, did you see the dancing baby? Well, or? What was it? What was it on? Uh, on knocked up, right? They they have the like the website that tells you where tits are and all of the. Mr. Skin. Thank you. Mr. Skin. Mr. Skin had a regular segment on uh, the Howard Stern show for years and years, which was always a very hilarious um, segment because it was so extremely on the nose, and it felt like it was it was like. In, it was like a joke, a knowing joke within a knowing joke. Oh, I spilled water I, all I love the idea of them having to talk about like Julia Binoche and Kishlowski films, like on Howard Stern or something. Just to be like, or Monica Bellucci and something, yeah, like, ooh, yay. <laughs> uh, we'll not be talking about the, fir- the film Irreversible on this podcast, unless you want to. Um, <laughs> 
later, later. Later. Okay. We need so, to, yeah. So, 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 the, so the Pam and Tommy take. So, uh, so he shops it around by asking all of these porn, porn producers, mm -hmm. but they all know that they need legal releases mm -hmm. on their films. Mm. Because other, like, because again, they're not, they don't want to get rated, right? Like, wait a minute. So no, that's the origin. That's the origin yes. of that. Yeah. So, so, so none of these like porn dudes really want to do it, and they certainly don't want to do it under their like they don't want to do it under their imprint. They don't okay. want to put Vivid Entertainment, Hustler Entertainment, Playboy Enterprise. Like none of them are like, no, you're not putting our fucking thing on there. And yeah. Like and besides, like we know that they're likely to sue it's stolen property like you stole it like either way like someone stole it like you they didn't give it to you yeah right so they're like no 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 and so uh the, the the guy who's like a general contractor he he gets the brilliant idea to start selling it online when he's looking for some rare some very rare part for a toilet and he's calling around to all of the local hardware stores and can't find this rare toilet part. So he finally gives up when someone tells him, oh, you need to just order it online. Like, it's the only place you're going to be able to get it. Mm -hmm. It was this whole online business. Mm -hmm. He orders this fucking rare toilet part, fixes the toilet, and then it's like, has this like fucking light bulb moment. I need to sell this tape online. So he starts selling it online, and then you hear, you see the rest of the story. Fast forward, fast forward. There are now so many like copies of it that eventually oh. somebody just has it and is like, "I'm gonna put it up online for streaming." And he is the first dude to put it up on streaming. Now he has no connection to the tape. He has no connection to Pam and Tommy. He's like, by now, it's just some bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg. He just happens to digitize it, put it online. And then he's like, and then he's the one who gets sued by Pam and Tommy because it's his online version that's the one that fucking goes viral. Right? I see. Like, okay. No one gave a shit about the, like, VHS copies because those are all being sold out of the back of somebody's fucking truck. Yeah. So, like, they didn't even know... For forever. So, like, it took them, I think, like, a year or something to even realize that their safe was missing. Oh, I didn't know that at all. So, so okay. during that entire time, VHS copies of their film is being distributed. They don't know it's missing. They don't even know it's out there. And it's still so small that it's, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Right, it's it's, um, it's yeah, crazy it's to me. Really it's crazy to me that it kept a lid on it. I, I'm surprised like someone in Hollywood didn't get their hands on it at some point, you know, and just you know, or the ta a tabloid even sooner than it and eventually did. Unbelievable. So so uh, apparently there was some there were rumors of it, and oh. I guess there were like so like um, this uh, the story kind of kind of digs into it um, about how it was first mentioned in some like Baywatch promo article fluff piece that was saying like oh Pamela Anderson doing a great job on Baywatch etc cetera, etc cetera. 
rumor has it that there's a sex tape floating around out there, but doesn't seem to be affecting her career any. Yeah. But like, but like again, at that point, like, it, like even that particular tabloid couldn't really verify it yet. Like, I don't even know if they had seen it. They probably just had heard a rumor about it, right? But like. I mean, I'm, go, I'm, right? I'm thinking like, now, like, like the very existence of that tape doesn't seem far fetched. Right. Because, yeah. But that's where we start to get into this argument. Right. Like, why doesn't it seem far fetched? Why would we believe that therefore now it has a right to exist everywhere else? Right. And so, like, this is even kind of the really bizarre thing to see who had ethics behind refusing to distribute the film versus who simply just didn't want to deal with the headache of it, which I think are two different things. Yeah. Right? Because I thinking do about feel that. like this story does seem to kind of draw this parallel between people who are like, no, this is wrong. Like, they didn't give us permission. And then this starts to then, because it starts to get online, this is when the height of online starts to happen. Yeah. A funny thing happens where if you have seen it, if you've ever seen it, um, it is an incredibly tender pornography video. Yeah. Because it is made by a couple that is incredibly in love. They just got married. They are crazy in love with each other, and you can see it. And, and like, it's, it's not filmed like pornography. It's filmed like a home video. It, right. It, the kind of intimacy that, like, that they, they didn't make that for distribution. Because right. that, that concept of distribution is still way beyond out there like the concept of like fucking your way to the top or sex tape leaking your way to the that top, event was not, yeah still not there yeah i think this makes it plausible to think that you can do the you... tragedy is is that there is i say tragedy because like it is right like the tragedy is that like no one leaked this tape this wasn't leaked by tommy or pam yeah stolen from them and you know again to see the the legal consequences that came out of that that case to see the like um ripple effects that it now has as i watch this fucking train wreck of a media coverage of the amber heard johnny depp thing yeah right again like we have no business in this like very intimate thing it's like they're, they're like they feel like the bizarro upside down version of pam and tommy that very similarly this is a very intimate thing that i have no business knowing about and let's say this we know we uh we understand the world operates the way it does and we understand that the reason this is all on tv etc is because they choose to deem it to be a thing of value that they would like people to look at, etc. If they didn't want it to be on TV, it wouldn't be. So, knowing that people have motivations and everything like that, like, what is the point even in someone's head who is going through the effort to broadcast it? Um, in the, I'm saying at the, not the entertainment level, actually. Um, the judge who is making the decision to say, let's let's allow this all to be public instead of having the option to say no it shouldn't be public what what why is the judge in this case and why is the legal system allowing this to occur what is the purpose within the legal system to allow this 
because I can't come up with one. Because certainly there are hundreds of cases like this that aren't Amber Heard and Johnny Depp that we could look at any old time, and we're, we don't. We don't look at them either. So, I mean, what is the, what is the point of looking at this? What is the point of having this televised? I can't um, come up with an answer. The the best answer, see, so the only the only thing I'll disagree about is that we do look at those cases, and that's why we have things like forensic files or court oh, TV. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Right? I mean, which they are much more quote unquote ordinary cases, right? They, they don't cause this kind of hysteria, right? Yeah. Unless you're talking about like some like super duper high profile case because it was like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman who went missing and she had, like, you know, 10 million Instagram followers or whatever. Yeah. And, like, those, you know, and again, like, yeah, their deaths are tragic and I wish they didn't happen, right? Yeah. But, like, again, we're, we're back on these stories of which stories get told, which ones don't, which ones get, like, attention, and which ones do we say are less important, right? Like, we're back to that whole thing as well. Yeah, and I don't like choosing whether things are more important than other things. I don't think that's well, a good right. idea. But, well, but like it, this is also the concept that like just because we're all looking at it doesn't mean it's important, right? Like, hmm. True. You know, squirrel, right? Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. At it, that was right? a reply. So. Like this is the fucking. Let me give you some is the, like dissemblance, right? This is the magician's yeah. trick. Let They're causing us to look somewhere else, right? Meanwhile, what's actually happening is I'm, I'm missing. The wool's being pulled over my eyes. I don't even know, and I, that may not even be happening. That that may just be a paranoid fantasy. Either way, I'm distracted, though, right? But like, why do they let this happen? I mean, I think for the same reason that they let it happen to Pamela Anderson, it's because fuck you. That's why, right? Like, I I don't know why we we also have this like dick worship, male worship, right? Like Johnny Depp, like wait a minute, why the fuck? Like like what what's the last good movie he was in? Really? Like, well, this is what we're doing? Yeah. How, like, sad I, yeah. that Roman Polanski can't find a distributor in Paris and be, that's being described as a crime? Like, like yeah. no, no, no. Like, like, this is, like, let me, I don't, all of it kind of starts to come together for me in that way, right? Like, well, one, it's, I don't want to, again, I don't want to just reduce it all back, as I always say. Like, it's, I think it's simplistic to simply say misogyny. Here I go with patriarchy. Um, patriarchy, power? Um, what is it that reality TV, uh, what are the values that reality TV is upholding as the status quo? What yeah. is it subverting? That's right? important like, to me. Yeah. That we I answer those questions. Like, because I feel like this, this is what like um, the running man was warning us about, was that if we're not careful about what media we're consuming we're like just allowing this like slow decline into fascism and the fascism is right in front of us the, the television show they were watching was fascist yes while fascism was happening around them they were cheering both of them on because one was the same as the other i th- i mean it, maybe that's my, my i'm uh i feel like that's i just my letterboxed i feel like you just like i feel like i just fell 10 feet like in a plane <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I felt like it just fell in an air pocket. That's what it felt like, just listening to that. You're right. You're right. It's, um... <sighs> Why is it okay that Rudy Giuliani is on The Masked Singer or whatever the fuck that was? That shit's not okay. That's the most running man moment I've experienced 
to date. Like, let me think. Do you remember that? That happened. Oh like yeah, a no, month no, ago no. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of um of my I'm most my running man, my own running man moment. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna dwell on that for a little bit more. Because I think that there's a pretty good answer to that. Um, uh, but I guess what I'm doing is I'm selecting, like, it can't be something I saw in the news or anything. It has to be something I saw within entertainment that disgusted me so thoroughly that I said, I'm going to keep watching everything because I need to because I'm an observer. But, like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> so I have a question about that screenshot you just posted. Yeah. About the, so for our listeners who are listening to this, a few days from now, and this is like buried in your feed, I'm going to describe it real quick. It is a screenshot of YouTube homepage. Mm-hmm. At the very top, it has all of the little buttons that YouTube has, all live gaming music, things like that, right? Cats. Presumably yeah. based on popular searches, trends, maybe your own personal user preferences. I don't know if you're logged into your YouTube. I actually... Uh, I was not logged in. I was not logged in at that moment. Yeah, um, but of course, cookies, et cetera, being what they are. Yeah. That said, one of the little buttons, which is the one you clicked on, yeah. says Amber Heard. And when you go there, you see, of course, a grid of uh, thumbnails. All of them, Amber Heard, Johnny Depp related, all of them with that stupid fucking glowing neon YouTube impact. Rebuttal. Effect. Yeah. yeah. Oof, oof. You know. But what was that fucking Barack Wisman Uber driver ate my ass or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Uber driver sucked me off. Uber driver sucked me. Oh, let me hold on. I'll, I'll make that. I'm gonna make that the uh, al- the album art just so that everyone, and anyone hasn't seen that classic yeah, I image. I feel like we need a picture of both. By of the way, I thought I thought I thought that was a real video for such a long time. And it turns out it's not real, but I still love I love that it's a joke that someone pulled off and made me think it's real because I'm usually pretty sensitive to picking those things out. So uh, I love that. No, I, thought, I, feel, I feel like I'm losing my mind every time I open Twitter these days. Oh, God. Like, I just opened it again right now, and it says someone stole Seth Green's board ape. Yeah. Comma. Which was I posted that too, I think, maybe. Show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I beg. Oh, here. I'll post the yeah, screenshot that I took earlier. Yeah. Seth was, yeah, Seth is. The only word that's in the Bible. Um, here, let me show you something else. Um, actually, well, I did take a screenshot of the Seth thing. Let me see here. I'm going to post. Well, I already did post that. Uh, the, uh, speaking of reality shows, and I haven't even gotten into really the meat of what we're going to talk about, which is fine. Um, I, let me see if I can post this. Yeah, here it is. I'm just going to retweet it for you. You can look at my timeline. Uh, um, I recently was able to visit the, um, the wedding of, uh, let's see, Travis Barker and, uh, Courtney Kardashian. I was able to take that photo of the little plates of spaghetti that they were serving there. Um, what is this? This is um, this is an example of the delicious plates of pasta they were serving at the um, Courtney Kardashian Travis Barker uh, wedding reception. Um, you can see those gigantic servings. Yeah. Uh, 
and it looks delicious. It also looks like it's about one spork full. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I just love that image, and I felt like we're posting it as if I was there, and I think I'm going to keep up that trend because I know if I do it long enough, someone will think it's real, and that will be funny to me. <laughs> I, think that, I think that'll be awesome. I think... Uh... I think then you can be like that person that caused the Costco stock to dive or whatever. Yeah, I'm up on Kendall's uh, Instagram, or no, I'm not even on, I'm on her. I'm on I'm searching for her on Twitter and then finding screenshots that people are posting of it and then clipping them out and posting them as my own photos. I just thought that was funny. Um, oh boy, where were we? <laughs> you know, at some point I was talking about Survivor season two. I'm just gonna play you know the little clip here since we're just kind of awesome. having some fun. Oh, yeah. So please actually back up, back up. Please tell me, tell me one more kind of conflict because maybe I can bring that up in an episode of Survivor. Okay, let me see. Oh, well, actually, let me go on to the, so we mentioned uh, man versus self. Mm -hmm. Uh, We mentioned man versus man. Mm -hmm. We also like joked around as like a bachelor type of a thing. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and so now this brings us to, of course, man versus nature. Man versus nature. Survivor, for sure. So speaking of uh, survival, let me see. Ice road truckers. <laughs> Ice road truckers is definitely well. There's a little bit of man versus man there too, because you're talking about mental fortitude in a big way, which I guess is also survivor as well. But in the isolation of ice road truckers is frequently. That's it's a dirty jobs. Man job shows. Society. Can we make a little silo for job shows like dirty jobs and or is that like man versus society? It, uh, in, in our big list, our document. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Job job <laughs> yeah. shows. Is it does job does shows. undercover boss fit into job shows, or is that a different silo of yes. jobs? Okay. Yeah, no, that's like totally, yeah, no, like they're okay. the reason we have jobs. That's my new favorite. Jobs. That's my new favorite thing that you've said on the podcast. <laughs> is that little cycle? It's like bosses with a little arrow that goes over the other side, says jobs, and then there's another little arrow, and it's like there's your. <laughs> you take nothing else there, away well, there's your problem right there's there. your problem right there <laughs> that that arrow has to exist uh, we we need a boss filtration program where we <laughs> set up the sand filter and just get rid of all the the worst ones and get rid of all their bad qualities and then like a sieve, a yeah exactly sieve. exactly most of the bosses get stuck in the sieve and um, Only the cool ones that like let like like that keep yeah. actual cool. They let you steal staples at the end of the day if you want. <laughs> yeah. They're cool with that, and you're like, oh, I like this guy. He lets me steal staples. That's like the coolest thing anyone's ever let me do. They ignore the fact that you just vape at your desk. Oh yes. yeah. 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 So, Survivor season two definitely upgraded their budget. I'm just gonna narrate for you a little bit of this clip, just because I think it's so wild. About him. Um. <laughs> I'm getting ready to I also do get it. a drink for us. Guys, come on in. We begin your first travel council with a ritual. Line each of you as a torch. Grab a torch and approach a flame. Dip your torches so, in and back now. Okay. So, back in their slots. We do that <clears> because 
for those at home unaware, is the first tribal council meeting. That's the end of every episode where they have a meeting and they vote to get rid of someone. This is the first one. I just want to give you a little flavor because I've never played this on the show and for people who never listen to Survivor, you can get a little concept of the show knowing that every episode ends with something like this and also because it's good and they get rid of the first person. Did fall down? I'm exhausted. Celebration. Celebration. It was celebration all the way and hopped in the water and then regretted afterwards when we were freezing and had no fire. Yeah, let's talk a little about that. Fire. You, you've been the one really trying to get this fire going. Yeah, I've been the one trying and getting no fire. I mean, I've tried everything those damn books said to do. The bow. That's, that's this thing. That's crazy. Well, you'll have fire tonight when you go home. Yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. It's been a little cold a couple nights here. Have you guys formed any impressions about the other tribe in the limited time you've seen them? We haven't really had a lot of contact with them, but uh, right now we totally see them as the enemy. We haven't had a chance to bond with them. We haven't had a chance to talk with them at all. I didn't even look at them when we lost. Yesterday's event was a, a, just a physical challenge, and I would have put money on us any day to win that challenge, but they went through and then we had problems. Roger, leadership come up? Did anybody emerge as a leader? Uh, yes, I would say probably uh, Mike has. Uh, uh, as far as building the HUD, I think we both probably shared in on that because my knowledge on that is pretty extensive and, and that I teach a carpentry class. And uh, But overall, I'd say he's probably taking the lead, and, and that's fine because he's a very knowledgeable person. We all, we all get along great. Tonight is really a hard deal for us. Uh, personally, I, I thought that the first vote off would be easy because you would probably have somebody that would be slacking well we just haven't had that i mean every one of these people have worked and worked hard and that's that's what makes tonight's vote so hard all right it's time to vote here's how it's going to work one by one you guys will go across the bridge to the voting confessional you'll write down in big clear letters the name of the person you you're Probst. voting for hold it up speak your piece why you're voting the way you're voting <coughs> then fold it up put it in the voting container come back and have a seat make sense we'll start here with you deb you're up anyway so they go and vote and uh, deb is the first person voted off the island even though she's the first person to vote and uh uh, the show <coughs> really takes a very interesting evolution in the season. Um, there's a lot of themes of uh, unpredicted themes that ended up in the show. Climate change, I think, is one of them. Uh, the camp gets uh, the camp is uh, perilously close to a forest fire, which causes so much smoke it's hard for them to breathe at one point. And then later, they're uh, were forced to rebuild their camp a second time after building their camp for the second time. Um, in a dry riverbed, which then they have torrential rains, which fills the river with water and like washes their camp away, essentially. And their food, they, they run out of food because they ration improperly. Um, it really turns into very much man versus environment than uh, anything else in this season because they kind of broke the game, um, which is very interesting. Uh, they even admit at the end that they broke the game. I'm just going to show you a little bit of how hungry they got even in episode two. Um, and you're going like, to be like kind of, I think, blown away because this is pretty wild. And it plays in audio for sure. It's 1911. Oh, 
I'll start a little bit here. Really, it thinks he is the leader of this tribe. I'm telling you now that there are people in this tribe that want to vote him off already. Jerry reported to the rest of us that she had seen Cal chewing a brown substance, what she thought was beef jerky. And I saw him put something in his mouth, and it was like dark brown colored, shredded looking. Now, let me give you a little background here. Uh, Cal has reported that he is an intelligence operative for the United States uh, military. So I think that in this scenario... What Jerry is doing as she is invoking his natural um, element of people having some sort of suspicion about subterfuge with him, and is like immediately this is episode two, like completely sabotaging him. Uh, but you'll see it play out. Jerry blatantly said that she saw something look just like beef jerky go into his mouth, and that. I believe her, actually. I guarantee it was. I saw him chewing, but you saw him I saw him chewing. Yeah. I mean, to have your own team member possibly be holding food behind you and surviving on their own little private stash while the rest of us are starving, basically, is not a good way to start off on the right foot with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> because to think that someone on our own try would be... You know, sneaking in extra stuff, especially food. Well, if you're eating anything that you weren't eating, that's unfair to the rest of us. Yeah, he had beef jerky. <laughs> and killing The pot starts to boil while Cal was up on the hill. They rifled through his bag. You know, it was like a big feeding frenzy. You know, Cal's got... And this is the retired police officer, by the way, who is extremely upset that uh, there was rifling through someone's bag. Jerky, and he said, look in his backpack real quick. And I was standing right there, and I did it. And there wasn't anything in there at all. But still, and yet, all I was thinking about, if I find beef jerky in here, it's going to be ugly. He's snacking up there, I know it. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> With an earshot of Cal, it was overheard, and Cal came back down. Oh, no, Hey. Did you, hey guys. you find anything? How you guys doing? Did you find anything? Just a second, just a second. Well, how you guys doing? Look, while I was going up there looking for bait for fishing, you guys were talking about that you thought I was eating beef jerky during that. What I had was a blade of grass and I smushed it up into my jaw and I was chewing on that. I was just chewing grass. Well, in order to put grass in your mouth, you have to go get grass first. And I don't think you get grass like. They are surrounded by grass. Okay. <laughs> what kind of grass? Green grass, just any kind of grass you can pick up. How do you know it's not poisonous? You know, uh, I mean, it looks it looks like normal grass. Okay, it just looks like a normal blade of grass. So I mean, yeah, we don't need you uh, sick of these competitions. Well, I want to just make sure that you guys know that I'm really trying to be a part of this group. It's really important for me to try to assimilate. I mean, I may not be the most talkative one in here. I'm, I'm a fairly quiet person. Mm. Thanks for coming to us. Yeah, we appreciate the explanation. No problem. We're, we're just getting, you know, too much chewing something or nobody else is and everybody's stuck. Well, I just find it really comical that you would think I would do that. I think it's pretty comical. Honestly. I think it's I think it's com
So that guy gets voted off that episode. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I love that. Uh, they, it felt like uh, if I, I, I just want to just say very quickly. Yes. It felt like the question, "What if the grass is poisonous?" Like a silly question. And then I and then I remembered that you said they're in Australia. Yeah. Exactly, and they they. Yeah, they're in. The, yeah, mm, I like that. I haven't heard that in a long time. So let me skip to twenty four oh six in episode two here. Twenty four oh six, and uh, you're going to learn a little bit about I think the origins, the very very origins of um, food challenges in like uh, you know a television show reality television show i think what episode is this this is this is season season two two, episode episode two at 2405 is the clip and it is um i'll just play it right now i I think that this is before fear factor did food challenges Dish. Take care of what you wish. Next challenge may go too far. Just say rub a dub dub. Thank God for the grub. Close your eyes, plug your nose, and swallow hard. Right, we're eating. We're eating bugs. We're eating something we got crazy. this one. We're eating bugs. We're eating we're bugs. bugs. We should have just been really hungry this morning. Food is food, right? What kind of bug? It's a, it's a worm. It's, it's grub. Oh, it's not a worm. It's, it's grub. grub. It's better. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. You guys ready to hear this? Yeah. It's on a bone. Our immunity challenge came to us, and it's something about rub-a-dub-dub, we're eating a grub or something. Let me go last. I'm a vegetarian, which means I don't eat land-dwelling animals. I'm not going to compromise my, you know, situation um, now. I'm not eating amphibian. I'm not eating reptile. I'm not eating mammal. I'm not eating fowl. Kimmy is not going to compromise her morals. But coming into a game like this, you can't come in with a whole list of things you're not going to do and you're not going to eat because you're not helping your tribe. You're not helping your team morale. Yay, God. If Roger can jump off a cliff and swim that long distance and down the rapids with never having swum before, I think Kimmy should be able to reach down and be able to do this. And so, let me just skip up a little bit here. You know what? I can't do it. And I'm disappointing six people that are rooting for me. Here's Jeff. For grabs, I'll explain the game. <coughs> I know you guys are hungry. So we've put together one of the finest samplings of true Aboriginal food, what they call bush tucker. Do you guys know the Aboriginals have lived out here for thousands of years literally by eating everything? Nothing goes to waste. Here's how it's going to work. One member from each tribe will come up. I'll spin the wheel. And you'll eat what's on here. Also on the wheel... Some treats that might go down a little easier. If you're lucky, maybe you'll get the fruit, the candy bar. Since Cooch is short one member, one of your members will have to eat twice. So whoever you select to go first will also eat last. Now, if you pass and you don't eat or you can't finish, you lose a point. At the end of one round, whoever has the most points gets the immunity idol. Losers lose another member tomorrow night's travel council. Going down and coming back up doesn't count. It's got to stay down. And the way you know is you show me your mouth. I look in. I don't see anything. I'll say good to go.
this is mangrove worm. Uh, it lives in little mangrove trees. It usually burrows a small hole in its infancy stage, mm. and then as it grows, the hole gets deeper and deeper and deeper, sort of like a termite. What are you taking out? I'm ready. You're taking out your teeth. <laughs> Good that stuff. dog has just taken out her teeth. Here we go, guys. Three, two, one, you're on. All right. Eat the mangrove worm. No, no problem. Everyone's down. Let's see. Good. It's a long, it. weird oyster. You got it. Alright. Yeah. yeah! Okay. Oh. Next two. You got cow brain there. You got the cow brain is there. It's pretty fresh. Should have a nice taste to it. You guys ready for this? Sure. Three, two, one, we're on. I can't. I can't eat a brain. We have someone take that camera. <laughs> yeah, Keith! I can't do it. Taking a pass, Kimmy? It's a mammal. Can't do it. Sorry. So she got voted off the show. Um, uh, yeah. Um, but moving along, uh, you have to eat the cow brain. It, it's essential. Um, I, I will know that she, she she was a vegetation uh, vegetarian by choice. She still ate eggs and everything else. Um, she just didn't want to eat the cow brain, which we did discuss was because of possibly uh, mad cow reasons. We shan't judge her, but she didn't eat the cow brain and she got kicked off. That's the fact. Um, so. But here's the thing that everyone probably remembers. Uh, if you remember anything from Survivor Season 2, you may even forget that you remember this. Um, but you probably remember this, at least hearing about it. Um, let me pull that up real quick. This is the moment that escaped Survivor Season 2. It is. And this is which episode? Uh, this will be... Um, I'm going to go all the way up to uh, Season 2, Episode 6, 27 minutes and 10 seconds. Seven minutes and ten seconds is exactly where we need to go. Here we go. So, I want to point out, I, I, I did uh, skip a couple clips. Doesn't matter, ultimately. But um, th this man was a champion for his team. He was able to locate and kill a pig using just a hunting knife all by himself. It was very impressive. Um, you thought he was kind of a psycho at first, but he's actually like a real outdoorsman, and he seems like a really sweet person. He, he's a really... Nice part of the group. Um, and then, uh, and then this. 
four bites, two fish. That's it. He's eating some uh, chicken they feed. They in the just as fast as they died anywhere else. He's showing off his prowess at how they've uh, figured out how to turn chicken feed into like a popcorn kind of food. I don't think I put enough water in it. I put enough to cover their backs, but I don't know if it got too hot. It was hot out there. Ooh. It is hot. Actually, we eat Doritos and popcorn as a snack and then have the fish and rice as a mm-hmm. Everyone's just uh, on the beach doing their tasks. Michael has collapsed on the beach, holding his hands to his face. He's running over to the water. He's jumped into the water. The cameraman is rushing to the water. Everyone's kind of confused and not sure what's happening. Michael's now dove head first into the lake, or the river here. This is in Queensland, Australia, by the way. Look at these things. He's lifting up his hands from the water, and you can see his hands are like essentially degloving, like the skin is like peeling off of his hands. Uh, yeah. In a brief cut, and okay. and 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 I will say I will I will reveal now just to take off the tension for anyone at home. They do show at the reunion by the reunion episode, which is only like two months after they finished filming. I think his hands are, are seemingly okay and healed and functional by then, so he he is ultimately fine. But in this image, the injury looks pretty bad, and like the skin's literally peeling off. Um, so basically, as they explain, he he was uh, trying to stoke a fire, and he, he as he was trying to blow on it, he inhaled a little too much smoke and fell basically chest first over the over a, like a starting fire, and then his hands though were the part that were like laying on the embers that were starting, and that's what took all like the fire. Um, and so now he's jumped into the water and he's like just panicking because he doesn't even know what to do, and the camera people are just like filming it; they don't know what to do, and then they just have to wait. For someone to show up and we'll kind of play a little bit of it. They just keep it. It keeps intense. I know. I know, my. Don't get out in the deep, Mike. I'm Don't not, get out. No, I'm not like. No, they're stiffening up. You're good. Okay, Mike. Right now, You're coming okay? right now. Okay. Just leave yourself right where you are. Mike. They're gonna put stuff on there, Mike. You're gonna feel good. They'll wrap it up for you. You're good. You're good. Stay strong, Mike. Stay strong. His hands are fair. Stay strong. Don't go out any deeper than what you are. Stay right there where you're at. Normally, okay? Come on, bitch. 
he is uh so at this point he is basically um have you yes have have, have, have you looked him up yet no oh my god okay are you ready tell me everything okay this one, this one. Is he like a senator yeah. or something now? Or? Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Okay, okay. So, see, I, I, was, I was here hoping for a very happy ending, right? Okay, so as you said, right, like, you were like, let's ease the tension for everyone. No, you know, in a couple of months, he's going to be on the reunion show. It's going to be fine. And fans oh, my God. It. Did we get milkshake ducked? Is that what you're about to tell me yes, here? Yes, hold on. Yes. Okay. Oh, no, not just I mean... Okay, I mean, okay, so. I immediately got to the Wikipedia and found what I was hoping to find, which was a second appearance on Survivor. Uh-huh. You see, that's what oh, I was hoping Oh, like a re-up, comeback. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, without reading the page, I immediately saw that, yes, he was on the second survivor and i clicked on that survivor to discover that it was survivor philippines uh the 25th season uh-huh okay okay and then i started reading about survivor philippines while you were playing that clip and then i i, I kind of just like was like I, I just glanced at it and then went back to this fellow mm-hmm. to start reading the page in detail and oh friend uh, okay, so, uh, let's see. I'm gonna let you do the reveal here. Oh, hold on. There we go. Keep going. So, uh, 2012, he is on 25th season of Survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2013, he is arrested. Uh, in February of 2013, he is arrested for a variety of moving violations. Uh, okay. 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 By the end of the year, uh-huh. an investigative reporter in Detroit, which I imagine is where this fellow might be from, uh-huh. uh, has discovered that he is involved in a variety of Ponzi schemes... Uh, with his allegedly legitimate business, which he ap- apparently has, but doesn't actually have. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently, while the cops are investigating his fraud, his financial fraud problems, they seize his laptop. Uh-huh. And they discover... Oh, no. That's right. Oh, CP. Uh, very yes they discovered cheese pizza CP, mm-hmm. yeah, on his laptop mm-hmm. which then adds to these charges um and uh mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes to trial he pleads no contest we got um, wow sentenced to one to four. Mm-hmm. Um, released after a year of prison in 2017. Mm. Wow. Mm. 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 So 
So this is how these shows take these very dark turns, mm. which, uh, you know, is also something we've talked about, that mm-hmm. th- this, this doesn't <laughs> seem immune to, like, a lot of, you know, and I think it's just because, again, right, it's like human nature, like, when humans are apparently very awful, terrible people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this isn't... <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I feel like this is, you know, kind of to this question, like, you know, part of the voyeurism, right? It's like, yeah. who, who exactly is being dehumanized here, right? <laughs> like, like there's, and then I, you know, we've, we've talked about this before about where are these, like, like limits of voyeurism, right? Like, it's one thing if someone wants to come talk to us on America's Most Wanted or um, something like that about some terrible awful tragedy or a crime that they've experienced and it seems quite another to kind of impose yourself into that situation like so many people are with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, right? Like, I, I don't feel like like, like either of like well he might want us there right but I, I don't feel like she does or she would um i don't know again it's just it goes back to like what what are what are what is it that we're watching and i'm we watching it ethically and how are we ever going to know if part of this is to trick us i remember right? i asked you that in the very first episode because i i felt like you had a better concept of that than me and i'm not saying that you don't but i'm, I'm saying that i don't know who does like i i i don't know if if if, I think that it's maybe our job in some way to kind of like um, help define like how to do this ethically because I think that you know it's I'm not saying that there's a necessarily right or wrong way to do this I'm saying that I want to do it in the best way possible not only to create a good piece of content for the audience that will eventually consume all this research that we're doing research watching stuff reading stuff but I feel like um, well, like, what's the difference between, let's say, and, and, you know, this isn't really a hypothetical, right? But, like, yeah. in, in the Pam and Tommy thing, yes, uh, the producers had apparently asked Pam and Tommy for their blessing to move forward with the, with the, with the dramatization, right? Um, and... Um, they both basically said, well, we don't really want to be directly involved, but, you know, we kind of trust, I guess is kind of the gist of it, like, Seth Rogen, that you're going to, and your fucking production company, that you're not going to totally fuck us over with this. I guess we're, I guess we're going to have to trust that. Like, right. I guess you'll do whatever the fuck you want at the end of the day, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, he ended up getting Sony hacked by North Korea, supposedly. So, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Um, but like there are some of these shows that have been like made not just like with you know kind of the protagonist's blessing but sometimes like with their consultation um, even full on participation like narrating what the fuck happened and what's going on and um, I I feel like that might even be part of the question right like um what's the difference between that and like a sleazy unauthorized biography and how am i supposed to know the difference when part of it is also that like people try to do the whole like oh it was released without my knowledge because like they have to for 
their own personal reasons, you know, and I may not know what those are either. And again, like we're, we're all being fooled, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. No, no. Some people have leaked their own fucking tapes. I don't believe that Pam and Tommy did. I don't no. That they leaked. No, it is pretty. How about established that it was stolen? Right? How about but, like there are some folks who are like wink, wink. And in, how about let's find one of those cases. I want to know like the story about like that, like people who like tried to play it off as real initially, but then was like, oh, we found out that it was just them playing the game. Because I feel like that's a story that we feel we've all heard, but we feel we've all heard, but we don't actually know. Well, like you have like the kind of the clear cut and dry cases, like uh, John Bobbitt, who went into porn after oh, yeah. getting all of the media attention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. So if you can believe it, and you can go, because Wikipedia, of course, has everything. I, I was at this page earlier um, this week. There is a wiki page. Uh, I'm going to actually drop it into Arch Zoom chat here, because we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's celebrity sex tape category. <laughs> and then it has the alphabetical order list that you can click through. Zoom chat. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think it was, um, oh, this is scintillating. I like this. uh, Teen mom starts with teen mom. So we get, we loops it back into my favorite. I was trying to remember their names. It was, um. Heidi Montag. It was that actress who was like on the OC. She, I think it was her. Let's see if I can do a name search. Oh, that Chuck Berry one's something else. I can't remember it. Well, that's enough of a record for a man. I'll just let it live right there. Um... Fred Durst video. No, that's not, that's fine. Seventy million dollars. I wonder if the Fred Durst suing Gawker was before. It had to be before the Hulk Hogan thing, I guess. Wow, gonna bookmark this article on Wikipedia for the people at home. Google Wikipedia article: celebrity sex tape list of celebrity sex tapes. And now I'm going to play a little clip for you that uh, really surprised me. It's my last clip from Survivor I'm going to play, season two, ever. Um, uh, it was the most surprising thing that happened all season. And it was really a, just an, a matter of production. And I'm just going to play it for you right now because everyone was survived, uh, pr- surprised, including the cast. And uh, let's find out. Jeff is going to collect the votes, as usual, at the end of the voting session. People are voting between two people for their favorite person, who eventually is, you know, picked as the winner when Jeff reveals the votes. Inside this container are seven votes. It's a culmination of 42 days in the outback. For one of you, the votes inside this container represent a $100,000 prize. 
But for the other person, the votes inside here represent a million dollar prize and the title of Survivor, the Australian Outback. I know you've waited a long time for this moment and you're gonna wait a little longer. These votes will be sealed and revealed live when we return to the United States. I'll see all of you there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then everyone looks around confusedly. And then Jeff, this motherfucker, he gets in a goddamn helicopter that lands right next to where he's sitting, gets in it, and flies away, and there's like, see you guys back in America. And they're like, what? <laughs> Incredible. The dude seriously thinks, makes them think that they're about to be done, and then ditches them it's incredible i love it now apparently this is normal practice now but um i don't know i feel like that's uh that's that's me and kathy right now i don't know if is there anything else uh left in your list you wanted to activate click a button play a thing Mm-mm. Okay. no i i because I, I haven't i didn't really actually find that little clip of the uh ham and tommy thing but, uh, anyway, no, I, I, it's, it's just, yeah, no, I, I feel like I, I, I have a lot to think about on this one. Um, yeah, yeah, I, um, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the reality television I've been watching in the last few days, like, um, spending time thinking about it and Survivor season two, wrapping that up, um, I'm going to say if I was going to give it a rating, I'd give it like a C plus and I would give it actually a much lower rating if it wasn't season two of Survivor. If it was season 15 of Survivor, I'd give it like an F. Um, but, you know, considering it was only the second time that they were doing this, probably made planning it out before the show was even completed, the first one at least. Um, you know, I feel like... This one was problematic. Like I said, their camp was destroyed by weather. There's no way they could have predicted that. Yes, they placed their camp in the middle of a dry riverbed, but they did that because it was a clearing that they didn't have to cut down trees and stuff themselves. Like they didn't, they couldn't have planned that that was going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. They uh, they created an interesting season of television. Apparently, they put a, a you know an interesting uh, sexual predator on there who burned his hands. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, uh, uh, you know what? I'll tell you this. If you're going back to Survivor, you can skip Survivor season two. Don't worry about it. Watch season one. Still incredible. Survivor season two. Maybe skip it. I'll, maybe I'll tell you if Survivor season three is totally worth it. Maybe it will be. They'll back on. Uh, I think season three is Africa, um, the, like the the Serengeti kind of environment. So we'll we'll see we'll see like um, what they give them. But uh, I don't know. I enjoyed watching the first half of it when there were two different tribes and they combined them. And then, then the, basically the players of the game were playing their game in a way that was, um, you know, to their advantage. But it was not particularly entertaining, I would say. You kind of felt like you knew the way the game was going to play out at least three or so episodes before the end. At least you knew who was going to go every episode. They'd be like, well, it's your turn to go this time and kind of spoil it for the audience but also for the person who was going to go they just knew their 
days were numbered because they no longer had enough people to support their presence there. Uh-huh. Not because of inner, not because of like interpersonal communications preferences of the person, but because of like we made this alliance when we showed up, and now we're just gonna stick in it. And there's no like dynamic to it. There's yeah. no like even arguing anymore because they're just like, well, we know this person's gonna go, so there's no like th- that's gone. There's no like, yeah, and because the camp is destroyed. You know what's, what's what's really interesting about what you just said there. Uh, sounds like it's in conflict with uh, what I've seen in some of these like um, like I actually saw it on things like Flavor of Love and things like that where the the, the contestants themselves even though, even though they're all vying for the love of the one fella um, they'll form like many alliances with each other but of course they don't mean anything so I, like, no one actually like honors the alliance that they made they're actually doing like they're only saying they're in an alliance because they think it benefits them somehow the moment they think it doesn't then they don't care anymore right like but from what you just said that doesn't seem to be the case like they're actually honoring the the alliance they made like very like model un at at least in season two they are they have seen that uh creating making a two-person team and getting to the end with a two-person team means that you're being selected from so that way you don't have to worry about being number one or number two you just have to be that person group who never votes against each other and you have to somehow get yourself into a group that's going to kind of you're going to position yourself as the leader or you know and then the group is going to pick themselves off while they find you valuable um, you know, I think that they tried to claim that they did that with Keith. I'm not 100% sure if they really did or not, if they were just saying that. Keith was a chef who was cooking their food most of the time. Um, I think that's why he kept his value, but I don't know. I don't know. An interesting season. Not as exciting as it could have been, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's not. It's the, it wasn't a failure of Survivor. Ultimately, I think it was a failure of the environment because it destroyed their camp and left them basically starving. That there will never, there can't be another season of Survivor where people starve that much. Those I people love were. That this is like your game theory. Yeah. Tweet. Like this is like the equivalent. Like strap in for some game theory. Yeah, I feel it's like. I feel like. Uh, yeah. I'm fascinated hearing about it because, like, again, like I, I mean, I only have like the. Again, I wouldn't have actually expected people to honor their alliances even in season two. I would have thought that even no. then they'd be like, fuck they you, do. I, I want to do what I want to do. No, they do. They they honor their alliances. Um, they do. And in fact, they'll even reveal that they've had alliances since the very beginning and like the very end. And it'll make sense. And you'll be like, yeah, I guess they probably did. Um, and Okay, so rounding out the types of conflict that takes us to man versus God. So maybe maybe that's a little bit going on. Uh, sister wives. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was a sister. Little mosque on the, little mosque people. on the prairie, also. Um, ghost hunters. Man versus God. Yeah. And all I could think about was Ghostbusters. God wouldn't deliver us ghosts. God wouldn't deliver us ghost inspectors unless uh, we had done something wrong. So that is definitely man versus God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final two are man versus technology. Black Mirror. Well, excuse me. No. Uh, let's see. The Circle. 
would be a perfect one because that's a reality show. But also, that's yeah, that's a social media one. And then there's oh, hey, there's this Netflix show. Oh, heads up, like Mythbusters. Uh, the Circle. No, no, I mean like. Oh, oh no, no, I mean, I'm sorry. I was thinking of other man versus tech shows. Oh, man versus tech for me would make me think of either the circle where people have to communicate via social, uh, like an in-house social messaging program thing, or actually there's one called, it's imposters or something like that. It's on Netflix right now. A new season of it just came out. It's a reality show. This is crazy. It's a reality show about, um, 10 people thinking they're the top 10 competitors to get onto a reality show, but they're actually on the reality show while they think they're competing to get on it. And it's, this already has a second season. It's insane. And it's from like um, a different country too, I think. So it'd be like super interesting to see like an outside perspective. Totally. It's called, I think it's imposters maybe. Okay. Anyway, looks cool. That's uh, that's on my short list for sure. And um, wow. yeah, Oh, and uh, we've been going for long enough for anyone that needs. Yeah. I bet you fans are still around right now. Hello, fans. Yeah. Please call 505-557-7932. Call the phone number. Nobody did. Call it. Okay. Call it. Call it. Call it. And then I, finally, Man vs. Society, which I feel like that's going to be like Jerry Springer. Also a little bit of teen mom in there, too, I feel like. Those moms are fighting for everything they have against society, I feel like. Continue seeing reality TV through these lenses of conflict. I feel like that's been very helpful, as I think. Yeah. Because this is how I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, like I don't actually think, for example, that Moby Dick is a man versus nature. I absolutely think that's a man versus self. Yeah, because the whale is essentially a metaphor. The whale's not a real whale in the concept of, in my mind, but right? You know? Maybe everything is man versus self. Everything is man versus self in well let me think let me say this one more time everything can be man versus self depending on how you kind of frame things i suppose if you consider the fact that moby dick was written by a man who was writing and creating a work of his own mind conquering his white whale by writing i will also say book. my favorite parts of moby dick are the parts that are real the parts that talk about scrimshaw which in oh is there some <laughs> oh my god yeah i was I, never brave I, enough to cast oh read that god. one oh, well you know again the the fucking dipshit school i went to right we had to read oh, it, so like, yeah, yeah. Um, but i say had to but yeah so like in between so so like you know have you ever read the grapes of wrath Mm-mm. nope Okay, so so very similarly, structurally wise, anyway, right? So like you'll have like like a chapter of like, hey, we're on the high seas and we're chasing a whale and whale adventure, yay, right? Like all the shit you expect in Moby Dick, but every once in a while, uh, the the narrator, Ishmael, is like, hey. one of the things that you do on the high seas is you fucking pass the time because there's like days, 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 days before you see, weeks even before you see the whale again. So what the fuck do you do except like waste time? And so he's like, so now I'm going to just go on for 20 pages about what scrimshaw is and how to make it and how we whittle it and why it's important. It's just like, and then that's it. And then, oh, here we go. Whale adventure again. And so you kind of get a feel for it anyway. 
Those are my favorite. It kind of reminds me of Lord of the Rings the way you're describing it, in terms of like. I've never read. <laughs> a lot of little asides, a lot of little cultural asides of like little things that have nothing to do with the plot, but are just like fun to know. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. See, I would read those chapters of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the whole like, oh, we're on a quest. I'll tell you what. Read. Um, there's an entire book called The Silmarillion, which has nothing to do with the plot of the Lord of the Rings, and it's just little things about the world Lord of the Rings. It was the last book that was written. Yeah, it's just little side stories. So. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Like, like twenty shorts, twenty-two short films about or whatever, like that about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. On yeah. Seven hundred eighty. If so, we made Peter Jackson make that movie, but with like his original budgets, yeah, it would fucking kick ass. I just want to know about all the fucking CGI down Peter Jackson. My my. Some Jello. Just tell me about all five wizards. I want to know about all five wizards. Make a movie about all five wizards. The um, what are they called? The they have a name. What they are? The Gandalfs. All the Gandalfs. Uh, are they all named after colors? Is it like? Yeah, there's the blue green, wizard, brown wizard, green, white wizard, yeah, gray wizard, and then red wizard. Mhm. Mhm. There's uh, let's see, one of them is. Uh, a taupe wizard. <laughs> Let's see. Are those also like the Magic the Gathering? No, there's a different one. There's a yellow or whatever. I can't even remember. Anyway. I don't remember shit. About how about this? I have a whole closet full of them, and my brain is just empty right now. Wow, I only have like one, one Magic the Gathering card, and I don't, I don't even remember why. I found it the other day, actually, while I was cleaning, and I have like no idea where it came from, really. I uh, got really into collecting um, a sealed product about two-ish years ago um just um some things that i always wanted and some things that i always played with and i just got some sealed stuff and put it away and you know sort of like i have my comics um that i'm into so i just like holding on to that stuff and sitting on it and every once in a while i'll be like haha let's see how that's what that's worth and then i just kind of go like ah one day and then i'll just kind of look at it from a distance again (laughs) Mm-hmm. And at the last, uh, uh, we have Gamer Cabin, mm-hmm. and we, we get together and we game for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And our last Gamer Cabin, one of my buddies who is huge into magic brought like a box that had, as of yet, not been cracked open. Sweet. And I was like, I don't play. I'm like, however. That's like, the best way to like play is drafting. Joy, mm-hmm. The joy of like cracking a fucking foil pack yeah. man like that shit's addicting that, it is that, that's some joy like I don't need bubble wrap I need like a fucking box of magic cards so I can just crack them open like and then, I, and then like yeah sex is great but have you ever opened a fucking entire box of magic cards oh god you want to do like three in a row it's like it's like <laughs> oh shit I seriously got like 40 in my closet and one day I'm just going to go absolutely insane. I'm going to crack like $3,000 worth of product in like one day. And I'm going to just like roll all over it. It's going to go, oh, one day. 
I got a bunch of jump start. I want to play some jump start at some point. It's basically where you like each crack a pack and you just have all like a random set of cards like to play sort of like roguelike style. You don't know. It could be like 50 different things and you just play it like on the spot. And I thought that was kind of a, you, cause you don't have to like make a deck. You just use what's in your hand there basically. And I thought that was kind of cool. See, um, I like that because I, I don't like to think about things. And like, I don't like to like really learn game mechanics. So and I don't want to learn like, like what's the balance. Like, yeah. I want to, I want to be able, I like games that are essentially plug and play. You walk in, you learn it right away. You don't have to, it like, I say that, but I really also really like the Doom game now. So like, you, you know, cool. like you don't really, I, I felt like me personally, like that's dipshit. I felt like it took me like two or three times to really go like, okay, I'm ready to like, it took me two or three times of being clueless before I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Is it like a grand strategy game? Uh, I don't even know what that means. Cause like, I don't like a zillion pieces? Is it like a zillion? Yes, there's like a zillion. <laughs> okay, that's basically what I, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but I, like, I really liked it. Like, cool. Most of them, I'm like, whatever. Like, okay. The only, the only reason I, like, I'm attracted to the idea of like Warhammer figurines is because I, yeah. I just like little, little guys. <laughs> I'll uh, bring some for the show next week. I have some sitting right over here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself a little guy. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, that's fun. I used to do a lot of that. Yeah, it's a good time. I'm still new to all that, actually. That might that might even be a really fun conversation one of these days about how I'm a very very late bloomer when it comes to role playing games. Yeah. And so this concept of like reality also is like feels uncomfortable to me because I'm like, well, wait, I what do you mean I can do spells? <laughs> I'm going to. I I. Well, yeah, we'll talk about this more in the future in, like, a dedicated space. I would love to talk about yeah. all this stuff and my, my past and that stuff and everything. And I also want to get into, like, in, in a future episode, also, like, our kind of origins of online. Because I think that plays a little bit into my origins of online, like my yeah. play-by-post kind of stuff and all that. Um, uh, it's, I think it's affected the way we see the world, right? Because, like, online, truly. like, like uh, I can more mediate Pam and Tommy through... Um, online than I can through fake VH like through like VHSs. That wasn't something I could access, but I could get online. So yeah, what's that say? I anyway, know that I know that the I original. To, I have to, I'm gonna pause right here because I have to go to the bathroom. Oh okay, I was about to. Hold cool. On, I'll, I'll do. Be we'll be. I'll okay. come back for a closing. Okay.
at yourself, man. You're a winner. You're number one. Don't you ever forget it. You look good today, man. Go out there and show them who's boss. I want to get a soundboard um, so I can press uh, buttons. I want you. I can get you one too. It's not actually. It's just like. Um, oh my god! I want like the old like jerky boys. And I also like, want to try to. <coughs> I also want to try to use ZenCaster soon instead of what we do now because ZenCaster okay. will allow us both. I don't know if you used it before, but it'll allow you and me to both record studio audio up to the cloud and then i never have to like we'll use the board we'll plug the board into the computer the board will feed the microphone high quality microphone audio into your computer we'll both figure out how to do that i still haven't done it yet or tested or even downloaded the software but basically it'll allow me to download a combined track that's already like leveled and stuff like that has both of our studio audio yeah exactly and that way the recordings on the mixers will just be backups essentially which will be also awesome. cool yeah. Awesome. Okay. That way you well, don't have to worry about uploading stuff to me. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Test it out the mixer and stuff on your own and just kind of use it for whatever. It's cool. Did you notice that you don't actually even need batteries of it with it if you just plug it you like from the USB C like into your laptop or something? It'll oh, just, okay. It's kind of cool. That's how I use it. I just plug it right in my laptop. So. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna set it up on my desktop. <coughs> my, my my posters. My, my posting station. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you saw where my where the little SD card is. So the uh, that little trash can paper clip holder is actually where I'm going to put all of my storage media <laughs> in the trash. <laughs> so this is this is what I have today for the end of us. Um, Well, Ready. no, it's just a song. So actually, I should I should save it for to play us out. And actually, I guess normally I would just play that on the outside, but I just feel like playing it, recording it live this time. Um, so here's a little fact for everyone at home, just to close us out. Maybe that's where I'll pick up the editing. Who knows? Maybe I'll just play what I what we were just talking about. Season two of Survivor. The opening had 45 million viewers because it followed the 35 35th Super Bowl and 
the Super Bowl increased in viewership. Now, this was a common tactic at the time to play a, a show. I mean, even Family Guy appeared before uh, after a uh, Super Bowl. And um, I didn't even know this, but in 2015, think about these stats for a second. In 2015, the Super Bowl had reached an all-time high of 114 million viewers. And just last year, it got up to 112 million viewers. All right. And I don't know about you, but I can think of like one thing that happened around that time that might have changed viewership of football. <clears throat> and however, its viewership has essentially returned to the place that where it was before. And I wonder what changed the people who watch the football or the makeup of its audience itself. Did football gain a new audience? Or did the people who rejected it before come back to it because all that kneeling stuff didn't really upset them too much and they just want to keep watching football and they're really a bunch of fucking babies? I don't know. Probably both. But uh, I don't know. Someone brought that up when we were looking at the statistics there and I found that interesting. Um, this makes me think of sports because, you know, we've been talking about sports lately. We want to do a little bit of... Baseball-wise, it's kind of a group watch. I think that'd be really fun. That's kind of just my closing thoughts. I just want to get into baseball, keep watching baseball, and um, and watch baseball wives here in the next couple weeks. You know, that's all I got. Yeah, no, I'm down. Oh, I, I mean, I, I love the game. I've been over this. Just want to keep talking about how how much we love it. But I do want to set up some baseball wives watches. Yeah. I'm I'm ready to like slowly digest that, yeah, and really go to town and and just break down what's happening in that show, because <laughs> I guarantee that that will be the perfect thing for us to dip out or like just kind of dig into, and nobody else will have ever talked about that guaranteed, um, since it's like inaccessible to begin with. Uh, so there we go. That's that's the show, everyone. Um, at least that's what I have. Um, Kathy, um, thank you for joining us. Joining us. Thank you for joining us, me and the viewers at home. We're, 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 we're closing out the show. I don't have much energy left. All I can do is play this. And, um, and uh, well, it's playing right now. Because I want to keep talking to Kathy after the episode's over. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.